It's time. Finally, a show for you. A once-a-week extravaganza, giving you the weekend's movies, the week's cons and entertainment events, what is worth watching on television for the week, the weekly comic book, novel, game, and collectible releases, as well as entertainment news and information. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture. It's Pop Culture Kaboom with your host, Jimmy Jones. Hello, world. Spencer Stoner is here, ready to share his thoughts and correct my pronunciation of just about everything. And behind <laughs> the big board is Rob Nalt, prepared to take your calls. And I, your not-so-humble host of all things pop culture kaboom, Jimmy Jones. Well, I'm here to run my mouth. That's my job. Tonight, we will give you everything you want, everything you need from pop culture entertainment with the latest news and information from the past week and sneak peeks at releases coming out for you this week. Whether you consider Sunday the end of your week or the beginning of it, go into Monday the best informed person you know as we provide you with the latest news, information, and releases from television, comic books, movies, novels, cons and events, toys and collectibles, and games. The Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show is also your place on the radio dial to talk about your favorite fandoms. So if you have something you want to talk about, please feel free to call. We'll be joined by Mr. Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews to go over the movie set to release this coming week. And our special guest will be legendary VR pioneer, video game designer, and board game designer Scott Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's penciled in. And uh, we'll also be, uh, we'll be talking with Mr. Rogers, not that Mr. Rogers, uh, about his 25-plus uh, year career in game design and talk with him about some of the games he has helped develop from video games like Pac-Man World, God of War, and Dark Siders to his recent board games Alien Fate at the Nostromo and Texas Chainsaw Massacre the game. We'll also be discussing uh, with him uh, games that he has coming soon and w are currently in development. You were going to say something? I was just going to say, you know, for, to be in a business for 25 years, he has to be, probably be a pretty good neighbor. Um, Not necessarily. <laughs> well, Okay. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> All this and your comments and thoughts on these seven pillars of pop culture entertainment, your favorite fandoms, and everything discussed on the show to add your voice. All you have to do is call 775-515-4141 anytime during the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. Or if you're too shy for the phones, you can always send us a direct message through the Pop Culture Kaboom Facebook page, which I have up right now. And uh, Eric in Whittier, California, has already been... Uh, Hitting us up, so thank you, Eric, and welcome to the show. Uh, if you are too shy for the phones, you can always send us an email. And uh, you can send your email with your questions or comments about anything discussed on the show, your favorite fandoms, or with the seven pillars of pop culture entertainment by sending that to popculturekaboom at gmail.com, all one word. Please put in the subject line, question, comment, concern, or my fandom in the body of the email, then add your name, first name only. I will not read, uh, I do need a name, though. I will not read email addresses over the phone or over the over the airways. Anyway. Yeah, yeah we, we don't dox on yeah. this show. Um, and the city or state, city, state, or country that you live in. Uh, then fire away with what's on your mind. I respond to each and every email. If they are for Spencer or Rob, I will forward the email to them to respond back to you. Bear in mind, it will be read on the air unless you specify for it not to be or you can't follow those simple instructions. Um, so with that being said, Mark in Detroit, Michigan. I want to see more Star Wars like the Star Wars, like the sequel films. They were the best Star Wars ever. <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to troll or what but uh if that's your opinion 
that's your opinion. Well, you but know, the, not they did, mine. I liked them. Yeah, they, they did have some good characters and stuff, but uh, yeah, you could definitely tell that there was no plan in that in that trilogy. Okay, they. Uh, I, I think they could have done a lot better job with the oh, character development and other things, but uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't uh, think well, they that have uh, a lot of uh, morsels there that they, they can develop good stuff from if they get their heads out of their. Well, it's too know. late. It's yeah. uh, already, it's already done and gone. Well, that's, that's I enjoyed where the extended them. universe. Comes I own them. In, so. I enjoyed them. I watch them repeatedly. Oh. Repeatedly? Yeah. Okay. I watch all of them. I watch all of them, all nine of them. I don't repeatedly. think Star Wars is uh, those sequel films were the best Star Wars ever, though. But uh, that's my opinion. Uh, Jessica from Clear Lake, California. I like the Ahsoka series. Looking forward to season two and seeing an army of White Walkers. I think you got your things mixed up there because White Walkers are from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but, but we, I understand uh, what yeah. you mean by that because it looks like Thrawn is going to have an army of corpses. Uh, for his army. Yeah, and you don't see the zombie zombie thing done in Star Wars very often. No, except in the Star Wars Galaxies game. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, they have that in... But that was completely different than what is going on with the... Uh, though it does take place on Dathmir. Or, yeah, Dathomir. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're or, close, or close enough Dathmir, for Jazz. No, anyway. No, Dantooine is, uh, is where Princess Leia lied that the rebel base was. No, I mean uh, the, uh, in the game. I can't oh. remember which one of those planets... Uh, Eric has a strong opinion about um, seven, eight, and nine of the Star Wars series. <laughs> Most everybody does. <laughs> good, bad, or you know, good a or bad. People have very, very strong bad. opinions. Very bad. Uh, Patrick from Irvine, Texas. Irving, Texas. Uh, have more horror directors, actors, and writers on your show. I like hearing them talk about the craft. Uh, okay. Yeah, as 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 they come available, we will gladly do so. I'm sure. Todd in Reno, Nevada. Uh, will you have some big name wrestlers on the show? Stone Cold Steve Austin lives here locally, you know. Yeah, I know, but uh, it's still getting a hold of them. And uh, I don't know if uh, how retired he is. I don't know if he has anything to do with it. WWE that much anymore. So, um, but if I can get a hold of some current wrestlers, yes, I will have them on the show. Uh, Matt from Ocala, Florida. Uh, was surprised to hear the con here in Ocala mentioned. That was delayed. Uh, the con here in Ocala mentioned on your show. Thanks for the shout out. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> cool. I hope you attended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you went to it at least. Yeah. yeah. So, but those are the emails that we got that I can uh, read to you this week. Um, so, yeah, there you are. Uh, yeah, hope the Mandalorian movie is good. I didn't know they were making a movie. I thought they had to do season three first. So, uh, either way, <laughs> or season four. Or is yeah, it three well, or four now? I can't remember I think it's season anymore. four, because I think mm -hmm. season three did come out, right? I don't know. Rob? Uh, they are working on season four. Okay, yeah. so three so, did come out. Okay. All right, so let's get to some upcoming... Actually, I'm going to say the upcoming stuff, because that's going to be with... Uh, we have uh, Mark Helton coming on as well to give us an update, because I was on the Fat and Black Connection on Wednesday... And there are some major announcements about the uh, KaboomCon that is coming September 7th, 2024, oh, here awesome. in Carson City. So he's got a bunch of big announcements that he's going to be making here as well, awesome. in case you missed it. Uh, yes, season four. Thank you, Eric. Uh, so let's get to the Phoenix question of the week first. From the beginning of superheroes, male characters have taken prominence in most action adventures. In order to give girls leadership and a sense of pride, films, comic books, and pop culture in general, general 
has started giving women inspiring heroines to empower their views. The Phoenix Question of the Week asks, of the superhero women in, com- in films, comics, in television, and books, which female heroine is your choice as top hero to save the world? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Spencer? <laughs> well, uh, if you go by the concept of, you know, superheroines alone, because, you know, there's there's been uh, adventure stuff like that, like, you know, Flash Gordon and all this stuff since back in 1934. And Superman didn't come out until 38. But then the first official superheroine to get her own title was Wonder Woman in 1941. So that's not, it's only a couple of years difference. Okay, well, thanks for yeah. the history lesson, but what is your answer? Wonder Woman. Okay. Because she is the first, but and she's but she's also a feminist symbol. She's also a sex symbol at the same time. You can do both. You, you can be both at the same time. And she's a, a good uh, demonstration of a strong character. And that can still be considered feminine. Rob, what say you? Well, if we were going with saving the world, I would have to go with uh, Ms. Marvel. With, um, well, Ms. Marvel. Um, uh, Ms. or Captain? Captain Marvel. <laughs> so um yeah there is that distinction you i know now, now that we have all of them, the, the different marvels coming out yeah captain marvel uh just because i believe in the recent comic book she just defeated somebody that was like completely undefeatable before so, really yes I, I haven't been following uh so. carol danvers as a uh as captain marvel i pretty much stopped paying attention to captain marvel after he died of cancer <laughs> so I haven't he's the only one who hasn't been brought back to life I think too unless they did bring him back to life just to kind of spite everybody um, not that I'm aware of mm, yeah. okay um, let me see what about you uh, I was actually I just got st- I missed the superhero part uh, altogether um, so okay. I was I was going off of uh, films and probably the okay and uh, with films, uh, I'd have to say Ripley from Alien. Oh, okay. And Aliens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually the whole Alien IP, mm-hmm. pretty much, mm-hmm. because uh, she is a superheroine, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because uh, and, uh, and, and embodies all of the elements that would make a great action hero. Mm-hmm. So in that regards, but she's not a superheroine, so, but she is a heroine. I can see in well, that regard, I would go with Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Yeah. Yeah, her too. So it was a toss up. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no. But uh, to be more recent in television, uh, I don't know. I don't really pay much attention to things in television as but, much as uh, I should. Heroines in, te- in television? Um, You know what? Probably somebody would lean towards Charlie's Angels. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's old, man. You're looking at I, like, I mean, at least, like, at least you can just say, like, Buffy or something. You know, oh, like, <laughs> that's even more, like, close. <laughs> true um but yeah i don't know i just there's think... there actually hasn't been a lot there's been just like they're mostly like everything's now like detective shows or yeah you know yeah or or post-apocalyptic week, you, know. you know like but i guess if you're going to go with uh, i guess uh jessica jones was pretty good yeah i like that mm-hmm. series yeah that was, yeah. Um, yeah eric says the bionic woman <laughs> yeah Lindsay Wagner, yeah. Yeah, well, any excuse to just do the sound effects is just worth it to me. Okay. Did they have the same sound effect for her in the Six Million? I think it was modified a little bit, but it's still the same basic sound. That weird, like, elongated. Yeah. Like almost like a high pitched version of the Transformer Transformer. Supposed to make you believe that they're, like, going faster, even though it was in slow motion. Yeah, real slow motion. Yeah. 
It was like, wait, I'm confused, but okay. The opposite of bullet time. Yeah. <laughs> it was the early 80s. Yeah. Where they couldn't show. We had the greatest American They should have just sped up the film, you know, instead of like slowing it down. But anyway. Uh, so the uh, big story of the week, the SAG-AFTRA strike is now in its 115th day. Uh, SAG-AFTRA has messaged its members to inform them it had received an offer Saturday from the AMPTP that the union says to studios and streamers, uh, and I quote, characterized as their last, best, and final offer. Uh, the message went on to inform the members that the negotiating committee was reviewing it and considering our response within the context of the critical issues addressed in our proposals. With the uh, 114th day of the strike coming to an end, the pendulum has now reportedly shifted to SAG after President Fan, Fran Drescher, Chief Negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland, and the Union's Negotiating Committee, with the AMPTP having submitted what's being called as a called a comprehensive offer in response to the union's previous two proposals. Both sides met briefly Saturday before SAG-AFTRA began, began going over the specifics of what the studios and the streamers were offering and discussing the union's next steps. It's still not clear at, at this time whether more talks will happen at some other point. Um, while there are rumblings on social media on what the AMPTP's offer may or may not contain, neither the studios and streamers nor the union have offered specifics on the record. As was reported earlier, NBC Universal's Donna Langley, Warner Brothers Discovery's David Zasloff, Disney's Bob Iger, and Netflix's Ted Sarandos. Uh, the four studio leaders who have had the most direct involvement in these negotiations and the negotiations with the WGA were joined on Zoom call by a number of other executives, reportedly Paramount Pictures CEO Brian Robbins, Disney's Dana Walden and co-chairman Alan Bergman, Amazon Studios Mike Hopkins and Jen Salsky, Sony Pictures chairman Tony Vinciquara, I am Apologies if I mispronounced that. Apple Studios, Jamie Ehrlich and Zach Zan Amberg also participated in the virtual talks. So fingers crossed that uh, something comes out tomorrow as to whatever, whether or not any of that's going to go take place. Any thoughts on that, Rob? Uh, no, but I'm finally glad. Well, I have thoughts. I shouldn't say no. <laughs> I'm glad that there's like offers. I'm just sad. I, I hate when they say this is our final offer because is it really your final offer or is that just like what you're trying to say? Like, we don't really want to step any further than, you know, because that's negotiations. You can't like be like, oh, you haven't really negotiated to say this is my final offer. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, it's kind of like when you're a writer and you turn in your final draft to the publisher but then you have to make more edits. So I was like, this is my final, final draft. Right. This is my final, final, second part of my final draft. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's so, like, you know, yeah, don't call it, you know, don't just announce that this is our final, like, what we're going to say, you know. Call it, this is our preliminary, like, this is this is our offer. Well, I think, you know? I think they're basically going, hey, we... We're tired of this. This is what we want. We are, this is what we want to give you. Well, if they're yeah. tired of yeah. it, then oh, I, 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 I agree. <laughs> give them what you know. And I'm not saying give them everything that they want, but <laughs> compromise with them to. <laughs> well, it sounds like they were because they, if they went and took into uh, took into consideration the uh, previous uh, uh, proposal yeah. from the SAG-AFTRA. So. Well, that's why I said like this. Why I'm like I'm hopeful. I just hate when they say this is our final, like what we're going to last, offer. best, yeah. and final. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, it's like the Regis Philbin of uh, negotiation. Is this your final answer? After after living through um, multiple final kiss concerts, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the Ozzy Osbourne concerts. Oh too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, final is no longer final. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking of, Kiss is still on tour. They just did I know. a show the other day at the uh, Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, so. no, I <laughs> refuse to see pay them and see them again. The final tour that never ends. Yes, I, I refuse <laughs> to pay and see them again. Yeah, because it's way too much money now. <sighs> yeah, it's ungodly. But yeah, I seen them once, and uh, that was enough yep. for me. So. I sat ninth row. I had lost my hearing for four days, and I had earplugs in. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Ouch! Ouch. I'm oh yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah, it was loud. Like the concert we were at, we were like, "All right, cool." And then this during the first song, a, an additional like twelve speakers on each side of the stage like rose, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, I'm glad I had earplugs in, but uh, yeah, I still lost my hearing. Didn't help much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So uh, we're going to be talking with Mark Helton here in a couple of moments. Um, But uh, they released a new uh, artwork for Kaboom Con, which has uh, Mr. Helton um, (laughs) and also James from uh, the Fat and Black, because they are the ones who are actually uh, 97 and now productions, and me. And, and middle. Uh, did you see this picture? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Uh, just to give you context, I do look like a professional wrestler. <laughs> I actually look like a cross. In the picture, not in real in, life. In the picture, yes. <laughs> oh, trust me. I got 300 days to work on that six-pack ab that this artist gave me. <laughs> and I'm going to be working hard on that. But anyway. Oh, yeah. I see. You got kind of an Undertaker vibe going here. Oh, Undertaker? I was thinking more like Macho Man Randy Savage oh, crossed yeah. with a uh, Geico Caveman. But anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I was trying to be flattering, but, you know, if you want to get real. There, there we go. <laughs> oh, my. See? Doesn't that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, the ca- yeah. The cowboy hat. Like, totally, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but it's, anyway. It's the Southern wrestler vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. Uh, seemed a noise pointing. More like picture. alligator wrestling, but yeah. Alligator <laughs> wrestling? Wow. Okay. I have seen that in my day, but I have never actually participated in such an event. Usually I saw it when I saw an alligator when I was in Florida. I, mm-hmm. I went the other direction rather uh, quickly. Mm. You know, those things can run 35 miles per hour. Oh, yeah. They're fast. <laughs> yeah, they are. So, yeah, anyway. fortunately, you can, you can beat them on the distance. Uh, climb a tree. Actually. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Alligators can't climb trees. Right. Uh, that was a, what I learned when I was a kid. So. Oh, that's good to know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't swim. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't it's swim. Important safety note, people. Uh, what? You were are the award show. What? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means, Eric. You are. You were are the award show. What word? I don't know. That's why I said I don't know what that means. So Marvel has announced a new Black Widow and Hawkeye comic series that will see the two iconic characters teaming up early next year. Uh, The limited series will celebrate 60 years of comics featuring Natasha Romanoff and Clint Burton uh, with new stories told by Marvel stars. Yay. But uh, with that being said, I'm going to go backtrack a little bit here because in 30 seconds or so, Mm -hmm. we got to be off the air to do that. But there are now only 307 days until Carson City, Nevada's first ever 
Pop Culture and Comic Book Convention, Kaboom Con. 97 and Now Productions will be putting on Kaboom Con Saturday, September 7th, 2024, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And you can follow Kaboom Con on the Facebook to keep up with details of everything you will see, everything you can do, and who will be there at Kaboom Con 2024. We will, of course, let you know as soon as tickets will be on sale, which will be at some point next year. Um, but in the moment, we'll be talking with Mr. Mark Hilton about Kaboom Con. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boom, our radio show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Unfortunately, we can't bring Mark in at this time uh, because uh, we're, I don't know if it was because of the time change or what, but we're having phone issues. So we're waiting to get that resolved. Spencer is out in the other room with uh, our, our, our program director trying to get that resolved right now. So I'm going to continue uh, reading you news stories. Uh, while we uh, try and get everything sorted out, and then we'll have Mark Helton on, because uh, this kind of messes up the entire night if the phones don't work. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so uh, six years of uh, comics featuring Natasha Romanoff and Clint Burton, uh, with new stories told by Marvel stars. Over the course of the four-issue series, the duo's past full of secrets and espionage will be explored along with more recent developments, including Black Widow's symbiote bonding experience. Um, I love getting the chance to dig deep with the, Natasha Romanoff and Clint Burton to tell a fast-paced spy story that celebrates their 60th anniversaries, Phillips said in a Marvel's press release. I went on to quote, uh, Nothing is as it seems, and I'm having a ton of fun writing these characters, not to mention they both look great for 60. Yeah, they do. Um, and they're still mobile. That's the weirdest part. Uh, the first issue of the series will go on sale March 13th, 2024. Um, DC Comics announced its new line of compact graphic novels that allows fans to read some of their favorite comics whenever, wherever and whenever they'd like. DC Compact Comics includes 5.5-inch by 8.5-inch graphic novel versions of several fan-favorite comics. DC states in a press release, the new format pulls best-selling new reader-friendly titles from DC's Evergreen Library as the first books offered in this new lineup of compact editions of adult graphic novels. Adult graphic novels? The publisher's new line will feature comics such as Adam, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen and All-Star Superman by Grant Morris and Frank Quietly. The aforementioned Watchmen and All-Star Superman will be the first to go on sale in June of 2024. DC's SVP and general manager and Depies. Uh, expressed her excitement for the launch of this upcoming project by saying, I quote, the DC Compact Comics price and sizing is perfect for readers who, of prose and manga looking to pick up a new reader-friendly storyline in a self-contained full-color graphic novel, uh, she said. The prize also elaborated on the business aspect of DC Compact Comics, this 5.5-inch by 8.5-inch paper cut is the most widely circulated softcover book size in the U.S. 
and is popular among graphic novel aficionados in international markets at at $9.99. It's a great price point for retailers to stock these classic titles. For readers, DC Compact Comics deliver a new graphic novel reading experience that fits in the palm of their hands with no loss of readability. She explained DC Compact Comics will explore a huge variety of genres in its collections, such as science fiction, thrillers, horror, fantasy, adventure, and mystery. Um, any thoughts on that, Rob, at all? Uh, well, I actually, this is about the Hawkeye. No. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were still on the Hawkeye win or not. <laughs> Any luck? You gave me one thing to try. One thing to try. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, don't kick me off the air while you're trying it. So Ultimate Universe number one lays the groundwork for the forward. series in, a, in the new version of the Ultimate Marvel okay. Universe. Ultimate Universe number one also quickly establishes that no one, not even significant characters from the previous Ultimate Marvel Universe, are safe in this era. Collector's alert and spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Uh, the Ultimate Invasion miniseries preceded, preceded Ultimate Universe number one, revealing that the... Oh, it's actually functioning now? Maybe. Okay. Uh, size of travel books, basically yes, Eric. Proceeded Ultimate Universe number one, revealing that the maker had recreated the Ultimate Marvel Universe and began reshaping it to his liking. Yay, we got the phone system back, so we'll be getting Mark on the phone here in a moment. Okay, revealing that the maker had recreated the Ultimate Marvel Universe and began reshaping it to his liking by preventing most of the timeline's heroes from realizing their destinies. However, the maker is now trapped in his city, while another version of Reed Richards, wearing a Doctor Doom-style mask, and Iron Lad, Tony Stark, begin freeing their universe from the maker's influence, starting with liberating a rather violent version of Thor from Asgard. Richards, Iron Lad, Thor, and Thor's jailer, Lady Sif, then launch a mission to raid the Maker's vault where they suspect he is keeping various items that were meant to catalyze... Catalyze? Catalyze, yeah. It's catalyst, yeah. The origin stories of ultimate Marvel superheroes. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a a weird phrasing. Yeah, that's not good phrasing. Their mission is only a partial success. Yay, we got Mr... Mark Helton on the phone, and hello, sir. How are you? Sorry about the phone problem. No, no worries. Life happens. So, KaboomCon, I was on the uh, Fat and Black Connection on Wednesday, and you had a lot of uh, pretty big announcements that you made. Uh, So you want to share them with the audience so that uh, they know what's going on? Well, you know, to to do my due diligence, I very quickly feel as though I have to read off the list of current vendors and exhibitors. Okay if you don't mind, just to give everyone their their shake. So we've got Gen 7 Comics, Kyber Cave, Everything Resin, Stephen H. Provost, author Spencer Stoner sitting right next to you, Carson Victory Rollers. I don't have a camera in here. How did you know? (laughs) Uh, Just just, uh, my gut told me. Uh, Tenebris Anima Comics, Cosmic Cuddles with a Z, Mama's Arts with a Z, Angela Lavergita, 
uh, books, and I'm probably butchering some of these names, I apologize, Britneyana Creations, Freckled Fingers Creations, Wood Devil Designs, Goblin Card Belcher, MC Hunton, Urban Fantasy Author, who I believe you just had on yes. two weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yep. Uh, Stephen Myler, Art, the infamous rebel, or infamous rebel. I'm not sure which one he goes by. Infamous. Butterfly, Butterfly Dark Creations, Michael K. Falciani, Dreamwell Comics, Lavendorium, Retro Replay, Crazy K's Crafts, Cyber Squatch Art, Three Arrows Games, Res- Resilient Press, Dyson Duels, Cobalt's Keep, The Golden Rose, Kitsune's Treasures, Buried Under Cards and Comics, Jade Griffin author and Derpy Design, The Crafty Cookie, Long-Legged Something Press, Orb Weaver, 3D LLC, Cosplay for Kindness, Pop Thrash, Lucas Collectibles, 97 and Now Productions, Murphy's Inc. and Oak Bridge, The Bus Boy, LLC, Hungry Hog, Bonfire Coffee, Tuk Tuk Yum Yum. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a list. Take a break. It's a long list. And there's more to come. Hopefully, we still have, uh, I mean, space is, is starting to run pretty pretty tight, but we do have a couple of slots still left, uh, which is which is great, uh, and we're still looking for food and beverage vendors. That's the big one we're, we're really focused on right now. As you heard, we've got five currently lined up. We've got a couple dessert booths, uh, a couple of food booths, and then a coffee booth, um, we're, but we're hoping to, to bring in, uh, I'm hoping, at least 10 more food beverage vendors. Yeah, well, all, all Jimmy needs is that one coffee booth, and we're fine. Oh, and the cookie one. Oh, the cookie one, too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, gotta have, <laughs> hey, well, what's a coffee without a nosh, right? Exactly. Um, so there's some other uh, announcements made on Wednesday. Sure. Uh, so uh, as you already alluded to, we did release the official artwork for the 2024 Kaboom Con. Uh, I, I love this piece. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you looking like a macho man combined with a Geico caveman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm working on that six-pack ab. I really am. I won't wear that kind yeah, of a vest, though, but I'll, I'll, I'm definitely working on that. Well, you do have 10 months and two days or 307 days. So. Yes, I do. Uh, so next week it'll be 300 days, so that'll be nice. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, we we so we announced the the official art. We revealed it, uh, and there was actually some slight modifications since we announced it on Wednesday. So what I just posted today on the KaboomCon Facebook page, if you follow, and if you don't, you should. Uh, that is the official. It is done. It is uh, looking pretty awesome. Um, so I'm I'm really excited, and that was done by Jam the artist, who will be at the event, and he will actually be one of the three judges. For the art contest. Cool. Awesome. And uh, some more info about the art contest. If you are going to, uh, is the uh, um, application up now for that? The uh, application is uh, almost done. Hopefully going to get up tonight for the cosplay contest and the art contest. Uh, Just a quick reminder on those. The art contest, it has three categories, children up to 12, youth. 13 to 17, and adults 18 and over. And the theme is first edition, Humble Beginnings. And Jimmy, when you hear that, let's hear your interpretation of what the theme is. Um, Like, uh, let me see here, probably uh, the Max, because he is a homeless guy who ends up in a dream world becoming a uh, kind of a crime fighter in this uh, alternate universe. Cool. 
<laughs> so yeah, it, it's all up to interpretation. But yeah, you know, some of the examples we've given before is, you know, a young Clark Kent running and jumping through the fields of, you know, Smallville, or Batman in the middle of Crime Alley on his knees crying next to his dead mother and father. Like there are many options you can go with. Wait a minute, so. Bruce Wayne's parents were murdered? I never knew that. No? Oh, you haven't been <laughs> watching DC <laughs> movies. <laughs> ever. Actually, Batman? <laughs> Watch any Batman movie. Exactly. That, that, so. that, that was being facetious. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the cosplay contest, which is actually going to be judged by Cosplay for Kindness. Yay! Uh, and and will be hosted hosted the, uh, the cosplay parade of costumes, if you will, will be hosted by uh, you, Jimmy Jones, and uh, representing the Kaboom side of KaboomCon. And uh, then, of course, James Devereaux Lewis representing the 97 and Out production. So uh, that, that should be a lot of fun. It'll be very interesting to see the two of you dynamically, how that goes. Oh, it'll be fun. Like Albert and Costello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, other I'll yeah. uh, see. Costello, um, there's uh, Laurel and Hardy. And Hardy yeah. yeah. So. And then we have, of course, the eight categories for the cosplay contest. DC, Marvel, Indies, Star Wars, Disney, anime, video game, and group. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of prizes to be won, a lot of trophies to be won there. And the big other thing that we uh, announced this week uh, is the application is up, and this one is up and 100% ready to go. Sponsorships and advertising opportunities are now available. Oh, so if you'd like to sponsor the cosplay contest or if you'd like to sponsor KaboomCon in general, uh, the application is over, up on the uh, KaboomCon Facebook page, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we're, we've got uh, many options. So as you mentioned, cosplay or art contest categories, uh, you can sponsor those, and it includes quarter page ad, and logo placement, things of that nature. Or you could just get an ad in the program or there's even a granddaddy of them all slot to be the headline sponsor where your name gets put on everything everywhere. That'd be nice. So uh, if you're a business or a company out there or if you'd like to uh, sponsor, there you go. That's a means of doing so and being a part of KaboomCon if you're not actually in KaboomCon or being a vendor there. Or or if you are being a vendor, there's another means for you to advertise as well. So Absolutely. All right, so uh, we got that application. So upcoming is the application for the art contest and also for the cosplay contest. And, yeah, so that'll be uh, lots of fun. Um, of course, uh, we'll be broadcasting live there. Tony's flying into town, so it'll be the uh, full Pop Culture Kaboom staff, or shall we say, uh, at <laughs> broadcasting live from KaboomCon. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, and uh, so lots of good news, sir. Absolutely. I've got one more thing I've got to put out there. Oh, cool. I've got to remind everyone that tonight, immediately following your show, yep. Murphy's Inc. returns after yes. a two-week hiatus. Yep, and I actually had it pulled up, and now i got to find it again because I had the uh, synopsis that I was going to read off. <laughs> so for episode nine, which is on tonight, um, which is, where is the synopsis? Why is if you would like, I can give it to you. There you go. Thank you, Mark. Go ahead. This The episode is entitled This Doggone Machine, and the synopses, with success on the last two missions, the team finds itself with some downtime around HQ. Michael spends some quality time with the interns, and Daphne gets brought in on Gleason, Gleason's ongoing issues. Okay, wasn't it just on a, a hiatus, though? <laughs> 
No, it just came back. It's coming so back. So didn't it just have some downtime? I mean, now they have more downtime at HQ? Well, now they're telling what happened during the downtime. Oh, okay. So they had a exactly. two-week vacation while at, uh, okay. <clears throat> what? Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes Eric sends me some stuff that I just don't track. But anyway. Some kind of non sequiturs. Yep. So looking forward to it. And there's only uh, how many, 15, 16 episodes this year? 15 episodes. So we've only got uh, six more to go. Oh, boy. Ooh. So things are – so this is the uh, – if you're going to go on the emotional roller coaster ride, we're – Right riding, over the hump. <laughs> yeah, we're going on the down right before we go build back up to the uh, finale. So definitely want to pick it up now if you haven't already. And go and check it out. Murphy's Inc., all the all – the, Episodes one through eight of season two are available on the Murphy's Inc. podcast, correct? That is correct. You can find it on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're everywhere, so definitely check that out. And I will very briefly tease, auditions are soon to be coming for the next audio, big audio drama that we're putting together, 97 and Out Productions, called Oak Bridge. And that's going to be a sci-fi one, right? That is going to be, well, I mean, time travel is sci-fi, but it's going to be more in the vein uh, of a, instead of it being like time travel based, it's going to be more in the vein of like an X-Files or a Stranger Things. Ooh, cool. So sci-fi thriller. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Can't wait to hear that. Um, so that'll be fun. And if you want to uh, audition, uh, just go to uh, Facebook and look up 97 and Now Productions and give them a like and a follow so that when they put up that they are auditioning, you can go and get audition to be a voice actor. Um, well, sir, uh, hard break time. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on and, ge- and updating us on everything Pop Kaboom Con, as well as Murphy's Inc. and uh, 97 and Now Productions. And uh, you have a good evening. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. And everybody else, uh, it is time for us to take another hard break. Uh, if you missed any part of tonight's show, you can always go and check out the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, give it a like and a follow or a subscribe also um, at a Podbeam. And uh, then you can uh, get every episode of Pod- the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show on replay at your convenience. We'll be back with more, so don't go anywhere. Chickaboom Radio Show. Uh, we just got informed by Mr. Mark Helton, uh, the owner-operator of 97, co-founder and uh, operator of, or uh, president, I guess? Of, president, uh, CEO, founder. CEO yeah. of 97 to Now Productions. And we just got updated on everything KaboomCon. If you want to go and check out more about KaboomCon, or if you missed any part of that, uh, KaboomCon on Facebook is the best location to get all of the information you need. Uh, they'll be putting out some um, applications if you'd like to sign up for either the art contest or the cosplay contest, either tonight or tomorrow for sure. But if you want to be a sponsor for KaboomCon in any capacity or advertise with KaboomCon, uh, they have that application up now. And we were talking about comic books, and we were going. I was talking about the Ultimate Universe number one, uh, giving you a collector's alert and spoilers. Um, to recap a little bit, uh, revealed that the maker had uh, 
recreated the ultimate Marvel universe and began reshaping it to his, by, to his liking by preventing most of the timelines heroes from realizing their destinies, whatever that means. Um, so he's now trapped in his own city. And while another version of Reed Richards uh, is going around with uh, Iron Lad and freeing their universes from the maker's influence, starting with liberating of Thor and then by Lady Sith joined him as well. Um, they went and they raided the Maker's Vault, and uh, their mission is only a partial success. Captain Britain catches them in the act and stabs Thor from behind, nearly killing the God of Thunder. The group manages to escape, but with only one of the Maker's many storage devices to show for their efforts in retaliation, the secret cabal of world powers that the Maker created to control their world uses an orbital weapon on a Stan-slash-Stark satellite bearing a conspicuous circular A reminiscent of the Avengers logo, but I digress, uh, to level the Stan Stark building, which Iron Lad and his compatriots are hiding out. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yep. In the episode, in the issues epilogue, a newscaster reports on the aftermath of the incident, which is blamed on Tony Stark, a Chiron beneath the, tele, the newscaster list the names of those presumed dead they they include Norman Osborne aka the green goblin Norman's wife Emily and Peter Parker's aunt May Parker <laughs> again again <laughs> I yep. think it's, wow. They're all going to die. Uh, the Green Goblin was uh, Ultimate Spider-Man's arch nemesis. No, really. It seems his elimination from the Ultimate Marvel Universe, though the list of dead is not confirmed, may be another change in the life of the Ultimate Marvel's Universe's Peter Parker. The genetically modified spider meant, meant to give him his superpowers being locked in one of the Maker's vaults would explain why he doesn't become Spider-Man until he's a married man with two children this time around. Now he also doesn't have to deal with the Green Goblin as a deadly foe, presumably, but must also deal with the loss of Aunt May. Ultimate Universe number one also sets the stage for a showdown between the Ultimate Marvel Universe versions of the Black Panther and Moon Knight, as well as for the emergence of the new Ultimate X-Men. Ultimate Universe number one is on sale now. Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Black Panther, and Ultimate X-Men will begin rolling out in early 2024. Any thoughts on that, guys? Oh, I thought it was a good idea for him to get rid of the Ultimate Universe, actually, because... It was kind of goofy, well, for starters. Well, yeah, but, you know, I understand having what-ifs and, you know, old Elseworlds tales. Those are fine. In fact, they can be really fun, but trying to trying to basically just do it in a completely alternate continuity one can re really confuse people who aren't really that deep into reading everything and two they just made some of the best characters so unlikable <laughs> yeah and uh, it sounds like they're going to do more of the same yeah it's like captain america with 50% more racism i mean 50% like, well i only just you know i pulled a number out of thin air <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, Rob, you had any opinion of this? Does this make you want to go and get this comic book for collector's reasons? Because it sets up so much of this ultimate it universe. It sounds like it, you know, but I, I don't know. I, mean, I like the return of Captain Britain, um, you know, because I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I, I think just for that, like, 
alone other than that i i don't know like the, i never got into the ultimate part it was just like oh god another universe yeah um so i never got into it so i i don't have that much involved invested <laughs> yeah, because didn't like literally the only thing that survived from the ultimate universe was miles morales i think so well spider boy or whatever mm -hmm. wouldn't he part of that or was that spider verse i don't remember i don't even keep track of that stuff anymore yeah. All this multiverse stuff has just given me a headache. Yeah, so. that, 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 and that's one thing that Marvel and DC have overdone in spades. Is yeah, they have. Is alternate universes. So if you tried calling earlier in the show, our phone system is now working again. So if you'd yes. like to call, 775-515-4141. And from the comics being released November 8th, at least here, I highlight the number one issues and or major story or anniversary issues that are being released because those are the ones that have the most value interest to collectors and investors. Don't base your buying decisions solely on my opinion. It, after all, is only my opinion. To keep this list to a minimum, I do not include in it trade paperbacks, graphic novel collections, hardcover, softcover volumes, or reprints. If you are an independent comic book company or creator and have something coming out, please let me know by sending me an email to popculturekaboom at gmail.com. In the subject line, put upcoming comic or comics. And in the body of the email, please include the publisher's name, the title of the book or books, when the book or books will be coming out, and the issue number so I can add your book or books in the future. First up from Ahoy Comics, Captain Ginger, The Last Feeder, number one of two, with two cover variants. Hmm. From Archie Comic Publications, Josie and the Pussycats, Anniversary Spectacular, number one, one shot. Dang, what anniversary are they on? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, Battle Quest Comics, uh, No Mad, M-A-D-D, -D, The Unconquerable, The Cave of Broken Tombs, number one of five. Let's just throw words together and see what sticks. <laughs> from Black Box Comics, Empath, number one of five, with four cover variants. Oh, from the, Oh, there you go. A single word title. I mean, yes, that's, that's rare these days. Very rare. <laughs> but enough numbers on there to be a, a launch code. <laughs> Boom Studios has Zawa plus the Belly of the Beast, number one of five, with a wall of buzzing six cover variants. Dark Horse Comics has Count Crawley, Mediocre, Midnight Monster Hunter, number one, with two cover variants. <laughs> Mediocre, Midnight Monster Hunter. Okay. Wow, they really wanted a good alliteration on Count that one. Count Crawley. <laughs> Count Crawley. <laughs> Crowley? Anyway. DC Comics has Superman 78, The Metal Curtain, number one of six, with a wallet-busting six cover variants. Wonder Woman number one from 1942 facsimile edition. Mm. Friends, somehow it has three cover variants. Mm. Floating World Comics has Santos Sisters Halloween Special number one, one shot. Image Comics has Petrol Head number one with four cover variants. Marvel Comics has Punisher number one, and it's good. they got somebody else being the Punisher. It's not in the line yeah. of Frank Castle, yep. but mm -hmm. he's still got that goofy outfit with the pause button on the front of his chest. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, with uh, Wallet Busting 6 cover variants, Star Wars The High Republic number one, Phase 3, with a Wallet Busting 5 cover variants, Thanos number one, with a Wallet Busting 6 cover variants, What If Dark Tomb of Dracula number one, with a wall of busting four cover variants. And it's Tomb of Dracula, but is... Uh, um... What if? Is he not Dracula? <laughs> no, actually, it's, uh, it's weird because it's about... It's Tomb of Dracula, but it's about Blade going full vampire. Okay, so, so that would be the what if part then. I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess. Wasn't, uh, wasn't Blade introduced in the Tomb of Dracula? Yes, he comic? was. Yeah, so. um, but still. Um, yeah, but that, so that's the what if twist, so... 
What a twist. I doubt it is because it's Dark Horse Comics and Bad Omens was, I believe, wasn't at DC or was it even a comic? I can't even mm-hmm. remember anymore. No yeah. idea? No idea. No, not, okay. not ringing any bells, <clears throat> sorry. Um, Opus Comics has Exodus Tales of the Damned, number one, with three cover variants. And Scout Comics has Mitch, number one, with four <laughs> cover variants. I have no idea what that one's about either. You know, so, I had a thought before you go forward. I did have a thought on that. You know, you, we have the uh, Wonder Woman facility. Yeah. You know, fi- I can't pronounce today. Facsimile. Thank you. Um, but with three cover variants, you mm-hmm. know, like how is that? I'm, my thoughts were is that what if the other two variant covers that we are seeing are ones that they wanted to go with? Interesting thought process. You know, I have yeah, no idea. I yeah, have to I wish it. That, I wish it. I wish it was probably that way. But it was more likely they just have a couple of popular artists who did ones that are supposed to be like in the style of back in the forties or something. Mm. But uh, uh, but I, I like the cut of your jib on that idea, Rob. You're probably far more clever than the people who are putting out the facsimile. Only editions. because, like you know, at the time, there's no way they would have been able to produce mm-hmm. you know yeah, three color variants. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Jim from Carson City says. Uh, uh, interesting coincidence. Recall how I called your show about the movie A Knock at the Cabin Door. And it turns out that he went to college with the guy who wrote the short story. <laughs> so, cool. Maybe you should get in contact with him and say, Wait, hey, now. Small, uh, college uh, alum. <laughs> yes, actually, that's what it was. He was showing the college alum thing. Um, so, um, yeah. So, the stage adaptation of The Who's Tommy will be getting a Broadway revival next year. This musical adaptation of The Who's 1969 concept album turned film will be returning from a three-decade hiatus. Oh, my. Um, A name I can't pronounce. The original stage director will be returning, and the revival is described as a reimagined version of the show. Hmm. That cannot be good. It means it's Uh, updated with... Probably, I don't know. I still hope it's pinballs. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to change a lot if it wasn't pinball. Yeah. Uh, unless it's the... Uh, oh, but well, pinball's now digital, so maybe that's... You know what I mean? Well, pinball machines, too, have kind of went under... Gone through a little bit of a revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not as uh, archaic or simple as they were. Oh, heck no. I mean, they're confusing you know? as crap now. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they have tilt detection and all that stuff now, so you can't do the bump. Oh, well, they've so... always had that, though, like the tilt detection. It's just more sensitive now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but that's actually a feature. As society see, is. See, no, as, I own, as I own a couple of pinball machines, but um, it's actually a feature you can, like, turn up or down. <laughs> like, <Whoa. laughs> or disconnect altogether. Do you know how to disconnect it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so. right now. That's always a good thing. Um, a, there's a Taylor Swift version of a pinball machine, really? Yes. Oh, there's pinball machines oh, yeah. for everything. When they had the um, uh, the Brewery Art Center, actually, I want to say about four months ago. Yeah, I know. I went and I played. Yeah, some... I did too. Yeah, it was cool. They had all the old school, the Beatles, the Who, Elvis, yeah. Metallica. Yep. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Guns N' Roses. And... <laughs> Kiss. So, yeah, so I played all that. And then they yep. had uh, like the... Uh, Alice Cooper, they had a couple of uh, stage props or something from mm-hmm. Alice Cooper when he'd do a yep. stage show. So mm-hmm. those were always great. Anyway, back to this story here. Uh, while, of course, still featuring music and lyrics by Pete Townsend, who co-wrote the production, Tommy 
revolves around the titular character who is labeled as deaf, dumb, and blind, but his uncanny knack for pinball catapults him to god-tier status. The core plot is based on the Who song Pinball Wizard with other classics like I'm Free also gracing the score. No cast has been announced yet. Uh, preview performances of the Who's Tommy will kick off on March 8th, 2024 at the Niederlander Theater and open on March 28th. Tickets for the Who's Tommy are currently on sale at TommyTheMusical.com or Broadway Direct, if you're so inclined. So Bad Idea Comics, who always has a lot of bad ideas um, if, uh, for you to get their comic books. I think right. in the last uh, New York Comic Con, you had to like run this weird obstacle. Uh, well, they had, they had two different ones. 50-yard dash kind yeah. of weird thing. Yeah, uh, and then they had like, had, like, like the, the scavenger the, hunt or, or shuttle run or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't make it easy to get their comic books. It is meant to be part of the fun. <laughs> okay. Mission Go, a tanker story, number one, was a little easier given to panel attendees at the New York Comic Con, but it looks like they are giving others a chance by also giving it away at the North Carolina Comic Con to anyone who comes to their panel. And yes, this is the copy of which multiple copies have recently sold on eBay from between 150 to $250 all you oh. had to do was attend the panel and follow the Matt Kent and Tomas Gurillo's Save Now Kickstarter pre-launch page. So I don't know mm. if that's still up as a pre-launch, but if you uh, go there, you might be able to still get that comic book for free, even though you didn't attend the panel. <laughs> hmm. Wouldn't uh, them giving out more cause the cost to go down? Um, on the <laughs> secondary market, yes. But uh, seeing yeah. how they're, you know... Companies like Bad Idea Comics won't make money on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. They only make it on the, you know, when the, they yeah, first the primary, put it out. Yeah. Um, I don't see I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't think, think so either, but I think... Especially since I think advertising, though, that like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's sold for, you know, X is kind of like, oh, well, it's going to probably sell for less now. <laughs> like, <laughs> could be, unless it specifies that it's a, you know... A, first a printing version. or second or printing or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Netflix is taking fan devotion to a new level, offering some lucky fans the opportunity to get free ink themed around its TV shows as part of its Geeked Week 2023 event. Ahead of its upcoming digital event showcase, Netflix confirmed it will throw some skin in the game, allowing fans to attend certain tattoo parlors in Atlanta, Denver, Los Angeles, New York City, and Richmond, Virginia to get a free tattoo based on any of its popular shows, such as Castlevania Nocturne, Stranger Things, The Witcher, and even upcoming TV shows like Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. As you'd probably guess, spots are limited. Geeked Week is Netflix's digital-only six-day event where the streaming giant will share updates and information on several of its shows and movies. The event kicks off on November 6th. Hey, that's tomorrow. And concludes on November 12th. Shows confirmed to appear at the event include Yu Yu Hashu, Avatar The Last Airbender, Devil May Cry, Rebel Moon, and Tomb Raider, The Legend of Laura Croft. And with that, we'll be at the top of the hour. Um, there is no information really that I can give you other than that. Oh, it is currently 55 to 58 degrees in Carson City. And we'll be right back after this, so don't go anywhere. More Pop Calls You Boom radio show coming up.
Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. So would you guys get a tattoo of your favorite Netflix show? For free? Yes. For free. Um, I don't <laughs> do tattoos. Me neither. I wouldn't get a tattoo of a show. I mean, I would hear. There's certain ones. I'm, I'm not that it. big of a fan of anything. Oh, I? see, I love Stranger Things. I like the I love The Witcher. So it oh. depends on, like they said, it depends on the design. Oh yeah, you know and what the, they have. Like I like I love Castlevania, and Castlevania has some great mm-hmm. looking stuff. So yeah, so tempting, but no. Uh, see. Okay, fair enough. I like uh, tattoos. All right, <laughs> so let's get into the cons and events that'll be happening worldwide this week, the week of November sixth, which is, starts tomorrow through November twelfth, which is next Sunday. I cannot stress enough that if you do not go to these events, they will stop happening or will not return to your area. So if you're thinking I'll go next week, next month, next year. They might not hear up and near you ever again, period. If one or more of these are near you, go check them out. And if they are not, check your local game, hobby, and comic book shops for great events going on in your area, like tonight at the uh, at uh, Dreamwell Comics, actually. Um, they're, they're having a special one-man show concert event going on. Uh, so if you want to go there, it'll be happening at 8.30 tonight. Cool. So I'll probably end up shooting down there after the show just to check it out. Um, but it's uh, Brian Garland, I believe, is performing. at the, So I'm kind of curious to see yeah. what he is performing. Yeah, live music. I can't go wrong. I don't that. know if it's music or if it's comedy routine or what's going on. Well, still. So hmm. it'll, it'll be interesting to see or hear. Interesting. Or as long as we are entertained. Yeah, exactly. All right. So with that being said, um, if you have or know of a pop culture event coming up in your area that I can add to this list, please contact me at popculturegaboom at gmail.com. Put upcoming event in the subject line and in the body of the email, include the name of the event, the day and dates it will be running and where it will be taking place so I can add it to my upcoming lists. First up, November 10th through the 12th is All Seas Fan Expo 2023 at the Arapahoe County Fairgrounds in Aurora, Colorado. November 10th through the 12th is Anna Main 2023 at the Best Western Mary Manor, Mary Manor Inn in South Portland, Maine. November 10th through the 12th is Anime Awaya at the High, whoa, okay, Fort Lauderdale Marriott Coral Springs, Coral Springs, Florida. My page just jumped really quick. I was like, what, what where am I? <laughs> November 10th through the 12th is Anime Pops Up 2023 at the Hyatt Regency Deerfield, Deerfield, Illinois. November 10th through the 12th is Horror Palooza Weekend 2023 at the Triple Crown Pavilion, Jefferson Town, Kentucky. November 10th through the 12th is Houston Arcade Expo 2023 at the Houston Marriott West Chase, Houston, Texas. November 10th through the 12th is Howell Oween 2023 at the Executive Hotel Vancouver Airport, Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. November 10th through the 12th is Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention 2023 at the Holiday Inn Memphis University of Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. November 10th through the 12th is Monster Mania Con 2023 at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, Philadelphia. Philadelphia? No, Pennsylvania. November 10th through the 12th is Motor City Comic Con 2023 at the Suburban Collections Showcase in Novi, Michigan. November 10th through the 12th is Mystic Con Charlotte 2023 at the Hilton Charlotte University Place, Charlotte, North Carolina. November 10th through the 12th is Onicon 2023 at the Galveston Island Convention Center at the San Luis Resort in Galveston, Texas. November 10th through the 12th is the Ranger Stop Convention 2023 at Doubletree by Hilton Hotel Orlando at SeaWorld, 
Orlando, Florida. Where am I? Page three now? November 10th. There's like five pages of this stuff. I ain't going to go that far, though. November 10th through the 12th is the SCG Con Pittsburgh 2023 at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. November 10th through the 12th is Windy Con 2023 at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel, Chicago, Oak Brook, Oak Brook, Oak Brook Illinois. November 10th through the 12th is World World Wild Fur Camp 2023 at the YMCA Camp Campbell Garden I love it. in Hamilton, mm. Ohio. Oof. November 11th is the BHC Game Day 2023 at the Holiday Inn Rapid City North Downtown Convention Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. And it's not snowed in yet. So go. November 11th is Grit City Comic Con Show, Comic Grit City Comic Show 2023 at the Greater Tacoma Convention Center in Tacoma, Washington. I haven't had to say Tacoma, Washington in a while. November 11th is Kids Con New England, Maine 2023 at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel, Portland, Mich- Maine, South Portland, Maine. Okay. Okay. It's a lot of Maine. Maine. Here's the longest one of the day. Uh Uh, November 11th is the Virginia Beach Sports Card Comic Book Pokemon and Collectibles Expo at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, this is going to be the last one. There's still two pages left, but I ain't going to go through all of them. So if I missed your event, I'm sorry. November 11th is Wicked World Orlando 2023 at the Central Florida Fairgrounds in Orlando, Florida. So and those are your cons and events going on. So you ever play the game Lies of P? No, I have not. Yes. Okay. Lies of P is officially getting a sequel. Over the last decade or so, we've been uh, seeing the rise of the Soulsborne genre from from software. Basically created a new genre of gaming with Demon Souls and Dark Souls, which blends very difficult gameplay with really harrowing worlds that borders on being horror games. There are absolutely magnificent games that have only evolved with time, only evolved with time with games like Bloodborne and Elden Ring being recognized as some of the best in the genre. Mm-hmm. However, From Software is not not on, the only studio capable of making games within this framework. A lot of other studios have tried to put their own spin on it over the last uh, handful of years, with Lies of P being one of the most recent attempts. Lies of P was met with critical acclaim and strong sales upon release, but it also comes with a really unique premise that sets it apart from its companions. Lies of P is a darker, more sinister take on the classic tale of Pinocchio. I know it sounds strange, putting Pinocchio in a Dark Souls-esque world with all kinds of monsters and having it all be really violent, but it really does work. The game was such a hit that Lies of P is getting DLC. Is getting DLC? Okay. Uh, It's still in the early stages, so we'll have to wait to hear more about it, but it's not the only thing NeoWiz Games and Round 8 Studio are working on. Lies of P director Ji Wong Koi released a short presentation about the future of the game with updates on a new patch DLC and even confirmed that a Lies of P sequel is in the works. He didn't reveal any details about it, of course, but given the first game was just released and DLC is still in its early stages, we probably shouldn't expect a sequel anytime soon. It's great mm-hmm. to see an indie game getting showered with in critical and commercial success. So much so, it prompts the developer to, to support the first game and start ramping up for a follow-up game. 
Whether or not we'll get any updates on Liza P in 2024 is a mystery, but fans can rest assured knowing there is a future for the franchise. Mm -hmm. So did you like it enough to uh, check out a sequel? It was a good game. It was very, very hard. Like, it was super hard. So it's based on Pinocchio and so Lies of P. Yeah, and it was uh, Steampunk World. It reminded me a lot of um, (laughs) the uh, Return to Oz. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but like that, like you know, I don't know if you ever saw Return to Oz, but it's very dark and that. Oh yeah, everything was mechanical. Yeah, I think that was stuff. like Caruso Bulk's first yeah. movie, yeah. And everything was mechanical, and that's like how this is. Like everybody's <laughs> mechanical, and it's kind of strange. But yeah, it, it's a hard game. Like in all honesty, like it was fun, but it was hard. Well, Jim from Carson City is feeling really witty tonight. He goes uh, on yeah. another note: wouldn't a large number of cover variants be wallet thinning rather than wallet busting? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it busts your wallet having to buy all those variants. So yes. that's why, and that's why, if it's over ten variants, it's called a bank busting because you have to bust the bank to be all, in order to get all those variants. Or, or should I change it to well, house mortgaging? It be, but it's not the consumer. <laughs> That's like the comic book shop would have to order that many to get those uh, yeah, many well, variants, right? The comic book shops have to order it, but the, yeah, they have to be able to sell that many. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, the comic book shop's going to not be like, oh, let me order 10,000 comics just because I want 15 cover variants. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it depends. Uh, it depends on what the ratio is, too. Some mm. of these places get like crazy, like a, a one in six hundred and sixty six version for like a comic book is what mm-hmm. I've seen one time. A one in one thousand. Who's going to buy thousands? That's what I mean. Like copies. Of that yeah. Thing, so, so like you know, when you get up to like fifteen, like okay, like do we really need? You're not going to see those. The average consumer is never going to see those other ki- those cover that many cover variants. No, but no. if you can get your hands on one, though, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because uh, the only time I really went out of my way to do that was when I got Superman or Action Comics number one thousand, and it had like ten different uh, variant covers. Uh, that was the only time I went through all the effort to get all the different variant covers. So you're not going to be shopping Dynamite Entertainment anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> But there are thousands of, uh, you know, yeah. tens of thousands of cover variants every month. Yeah, literally dozens of uh, dozens on dozens of titles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. All right. So Blizzard Entertainment, Glass Cannon Unplugged, and Genuine Entertainment have announced a tabletop role-playing game adaptation of Diablo. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Described as a long-term tabletop gaming program, the hmm. tabletop role-playing game was announced at BlizzCon 2023 with a core book launching fall of 2024. The Diablo tabletop role-playing game will launch via a pre-order campaign on Kickstarter. And they said, and I quote, uh, we've spent the past year living the dream with Blizzard gas, glass, un, glass Cannon. I almost said Glass Onion. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. I mm. Unplugged CEO, I'm not going to try and pronounce that, said uh, collaborating with game directors, producers, and lore masters, testing our demon fighting skills, reading endless tombs. We couldn't have asked for more access, enthusiasm, and support. Hit 2023 game video game Diablo 4 inspired the core engine design of the Diablo tabletop role-playing game. The game will feature will further explore the overworld and underworld of Sanctuary, Sanctuary, embarking on adventures above and below with fan favorite mechanics torn straight from the screen. 
The Gore rule book is thematically set alongside Diablo 4, with future tabletop supplements planned throughout Diablo's timeline. Moreover, the tabletop role-playing game is a direct companion to the upcoming Diablo the Board Game, a co-op adventure board game slated for fall of 2025. The the tabletop role-playing game and board game will fuel one another with interchangeable game components, shared accessories, and complementary expansions with overarching events in a fully integrated product line. Diablo 4 launched in June and became Blizzard's fastest-selling game of all time, of all time, making it an unsurpassed choice to base the tabletop role-playing game on. It proved popular with players and critics with IGN's 9 out of 10 rating, saying, and I quote, Diablo 4 is a stunning sequel with near-perfect endgame and progression design that makes it absolutely excruciating to put down. So so now that you know that there's going to be a Diablo board game as well as a Diablo tabletop role-playing game and they're kind of companion pieces to each other, does that encourage you, Spencer, to get either or? Yeah, actually. I'm I'm always a sucker for a good role-playing game. I mean, so yeah, I've, I've loved, I loved Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, I've played Dungeons and Dragons so long that I've homebrewed so much stuff that getting a completely new system would be refreshing. Based on Diablo, Based, um, and, and and I love the Diablo franchise, so yeah, I would I would love to see that. Rob, um, yeah, well, I mean, Diablo is Diablo, so you either like it or you don't. I mean, that's you know, well, did you thing. like it? Yeah, Diablo was a good game. Okay, um, I you know. I don't know about, like, the role-playing, because, I mean, everything's now being a role-playing game, so it's like, okay, you know. (laughs) I gotta be Um, this character. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I don't know about that aspect, but I like the fact about the tabletop part, um, you know, because I like the tabletop board games, so. Yeah, but this is kind of interesting that it's kind of like the photo negative of what what, uh, they did with, uh... oh, crud. Cyberpunk. Yeah, because uh with Cyberpunk, you know, it started out as a uh, as a tabletop role playing game mm-hmm. and then uh and then uh they adapted it into the, the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven video game. Hmm. And this time you're going the exact opposite route. You have the Diablo video game, they're adapting into a tabletop role playing game. Fair fair enough. All right, so everybody who's been waiting for Grand Theft Auto 6 can chill out a little bit. Rockstar, Rockstar Games has been keeping fans on the edge of their seat with regards to Grand Theft Auto 6 for years now. Fans have been waiting to get their first official glimpse at the game, and for the better part of a decade since Grand Theft Auto 5 was released in 2013, and Red Dead Redemption 2, the studio's last game, was released in 2018. At the start of 2020, Rockstar Games acknowledged the next Grand Theft Auto game for the first time and then proceeded to invoke its name on several other occasions throughout the year. Uh, most notably, when over an hour of footage from the game leaked online. However, it has been over a year since Rockstar last acknowledged the next GTA game. We have no idea when it's coming, when it will be revealed, or anything else. However, we may have gotten some additional context. Reputable Rockstar Games insider Tez2 took to the GTA forums and noted that he had heard that developers within Rockstar Games are not expecting GTA 6 to release until spring of 2025. Well, okay. Sounds like they, they can still milk five for a little bit longer. Ugh. Yeah, it sounds like this is just speculation from the developers, which is pretty interesting since you'd think you'd they'd have some idea of 
you know, of the deadline they're working with. Uh, Tez, too, suggested that a reveal could happen later this year to coincide with the Rockstar Games' 25th anniversary around December. Whether that happens or not is up to up in the air, as Tez, too, seems to be speculating on that front. We could only hope, but fans have tried to predict the release date before and been left disappointed and frustrated. Repeatedly. <laughs> yep. And it is now time for us to take a hard break. When we come back, it'll be movie time with Mr. Tony Sanfilippo. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Boom Radio Show right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Each week, the film powers that be released dozens of movies, some of which you will never hear about except yeah. Each week's upcoming releases are carefully picked over from Rotten Tomatoes, and up to five films are selected from genres that I would watch, and those genres are action, adventure, horror, science fiction, anime, or fantasy, and that is pretty much it. With that in mind, we sit through some of the most hideous trailers ever made, and we'll read you the synopsis of each film, then give you our not-so-humble opinions. Bear in mind, we are not professional movie critics. We're just overly opinionated blowhards. But Mr. Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's Horrible Reviews is... You can catch all of Tony Sanfilippo's reviews of concerts, television shows, and movies at Filippo's Horrible Reviews. And how are you, Saw? Hey, I'm doing good tonight, buddy. Uh, Broncos didn't lose, uh... Because they didn't play. That was nice. It was like a jam. Had a nice night off. Didn't have to worry about losing today. So that was good. Uh, But, uh, yeah. Been enjoying a nice week having my dad out here. So it's been good. Um, Made him watch Loki today. Uh, He was super super lost. He's like, this is a weird show. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to know what's going on, Dad. Like, it's. It, it kind of throws you off. He's like, why do they all look like spaghetti? <laughs> why is everything yeah. turning to spaghetti? I mean, even the TV is turning to spaghetti. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, he's watching it. I'm like, hey, I got to I gotta be up to date for the show tonight. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to watch some weird stuff. And I made stuff. him watch, oh, gosh, I made him watch the trailers, too. He just looked at me really weird. <laughs> really weird on some of the trailers. Oh, <laughs> shocking. Uh, so here on the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, we utilize a carefully crafted and patented pop, pop culture kaboom movie rating system and it goes as follows if it is worth seeing in a theater at full price it is a good not a great that is to be determined by you if you choose to see it in a theater if it is worth watching in a th- as in your theater as a matinee or in your town's cheap theater it is a so-so if it seems worth seeing on a streaming service or as a rental or however you choose to watch the film while avoiding social interaction it is a blah, and if it is deemed so awful you should wait for it to be on public television, it is considered a touch brown, because FCC regulations say we can't use profanity. So uh, we got five movies coming up uh, this week. Uh, some of them are definitely bizarro. <laughs> um, and uh, a little uh, sidebar, I was on the uh, Fat and Black Connection on Wednesday, and I went over the movies that were coming out, kind of. I went and read off the... Uh, um, synopses of each of these movies and Mark Helton uh, or Fat on the show decided to uh, tell he shared what he thought I would be my reaction to him which I will share with you everybody as well but uh, let's get to the first movie out of the uh, door here and uh, share with a question mark not share like uh, share. You know, Sonny and share but share like right. I'm going to yeah. give this to you uh, so here's the synopsis 
A man struggles to survive after awakening alone, trapped in a society connected only by a primitive computer network, where the ability to entertain is the only currency. Grappling with a flickering, faulty memory of his life before, the film's nameless protagonist discovers that his unseen audience seems to reward most highly his moments of humiliation and pain. Building off this realization, he crafts a self-destructive comedic persona that allows him to not just survive but thrive in this new world. Rewarded with socialization via video feeds, the man develops relationships with other inhabitants, including a cantankerous veteran of the system, the two women who confront him with opposed worldviews. Should he accept his confinement and try to find some form of happiness within it or fight a seemingly unwinnable war with the system that imprisons him all right i don't know how or why what what should have been a short as part of an anthology got to be a full-length film but the trailer all one minute and 26 seconds of it should have been 12.6 percent of an actual length of this of its entirety I can't say it's been it's been done before, but I do wonder why it was done in the first place. All I can say is I won't be watching it, so I'm going to give it a touch brown. And uh, Mark thought I'd give it a blah, but no, I'm giving it a touch brown. <laughs> oh, he obviously <laughs> he doesn't know you that well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, he could safely predict you'd give everything a touch brown, and his percentage rate would be high. <laughs> yes, yes, it would have. Yeah, it would be a high one. <laughs> All right, Tony, what say you? I'm the man in the box. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a dude watching a dude. It's the guy from Billy Madison. So the trailer are people in boxes doing puppet shows, eating, barking like dogs, and it's all around confusing. I feel the movie would be really weird to watch and overall confusing, so I'm just not going to be bothering. I'm not going to bother being the man in the box, so touch brown for me as well. Okay. Spencer, what say you? Well, I'm sure that this this film, as it was made to, intended to be viewed by the audience, would be uh, wanting to understand. The... Are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> no. Would be would, <laughs> would be wanting to understand the esoteric nature of it, and that that it is talking about the. Uh, nah, it's just talking about how you know TikTok's bad, and you know people people do stupid stuff for basically clout. TikTok bad, guy. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, it's 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 just talking. It's it's a it's a statement about how social media has its pros and cons, and mostly cons in this context. Uh, it's an inter- it's just it's an interesting concept, but it should have been like like you said, it should have been like a short film or like an episode of like Black Mirror or something. You know, something that because there are some concepts when you try to blow them up to make them ninety ninety minutes to two hours kind of suffer and this one feels like it might do that if i do watch it i will give it uh i'll be watching it on a streaming service and only if my wife decides to, decides that we want something to fall asleep to so i will give it a blah even eric says it sounds like you were having a stroke <laughs> all right Rob, I, was trying I, thought to say. Were, I thought you were going victor timely on it <laughs> <laughs> it's a prototype yes i was trying to sound <laughs> All right, Rob. Uh, Yes, I'm actually crying right now for the careers of Bradley Whitford and Alice Braga because they 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 had to do this movie, obviously, because their careers are in such dire like need of it. Um, I believe we kind of saw this already in the Hulu straight to Hulu movie, The Mill, um, 
where it was very, 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 very similar. Um, same thing about like a guy who trapped there not knowing why and he only can talk to a few people. And yeah, it's it's stupid. It's a stupid concept. <laughs> it's dumb. Why should I'm sorry. I, I think they're trying to do all these like weird isolation movies because we were, everybody was isolated. We're not all isolated anymore. Stop. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry if that was very loud. <laughs> but, yeah. Touch Brown yeah. for me. I wrote it down before you even finished talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you were going I, with that It was one. sad because I like Bradley Whitford, uh, and I so was like, oh, no. I, I, yeah, I, the, the, the movie The Mill, I like saw like 20 minutes. I was like, done. Like, this stupid. <laughs> like, and it's same, almost the same concept. All right, Tony, what is next? Oh, let's go visit Kane. So the Undertaker's brother is coming up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, in a dangerous world of crime, Benny serves under Abe a crime boss with multiple personalities. When gang war erupts with the notorious Frankie, Benny must confront the deadliest persona within Abe, and that is Kane. Within the next 24 hours, predicted to be filled with violence, Benny questions his loyalty and contemplates joining Frankie. As the battle intensifies and the secrets unravel, Benny faces a choice that could shake the criminal empire to its core. Split Allegiance is a gripping dark thriller that explores the blurred lines of loyalty and identity in a treacherous underworld. So apparently they changed uh, the name of it from Split Allegiance to Duquesne. Duquesne, mm. yeah. I was going to say, that is weird because I'm like, where was it ever Split Allegiance? <laughs> but, uh, I just kept seeing the guy look at the old man. Even my dad and Jamie were really confused. They're like, uh, okay, that was random. Uh, so I'm just, I'll, I jotted down was, what are you looking at, dog? Go, go, Power Rangers. Produce this film, Seven Films. Oh, that angry dude just beat the living Broncos out of those other dudes. <laughs> cool accents and uh, angry people. Guns, drugs, chess, slow-paced trailer, multiple personalities. Do you want to play this game? Nope, I don't. Touch Brown. Okay. All right, so Crazy Underworld Boss goes completely off the deep end, and I guess he <laughs> starts killing uh, his underworld contacts. I don't know what's going on, nor do I care, since this criminal's offing other criminals. And I'm right there with you, Tony. I'm giving it a touch brown. And Mark also said I'd give it a touch brown, and he was absolutely right. He was right. All right, so Rob, what say you? Um, actually, I'm breaking off from you guys. <laughs> this one actually looked entertaining. <laughs> um, I... I just don't like the fact that they're kind of that they're using multiple personalities as the reason why this guy has become so violent. But hey, he's got to have a reason. But uh, so I guess that's his reason. But um, it just looks like it's going to be a good time. I don't know. It's like sometimes you just need to watch a bloody movie, and this looks like that. It, that's that movie. So <laughs> streaming service for me. Okay, so blah. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, you know, I I don't I didn't get any of that from the trailer. Any of what? Any of the this plot? Oh, neither did I. No, all I saw was a guy who you know who's his, you know his face changed with every personality. So of course you know it's shorthand for the audience. Of course I know, but um, it just it, with so many different personalities and stuff it is one of those things that it's it sounds like the the concept is a little too busy for my tastes, and I, I wasn't a big fan of identity. Especially when I found out that it was the serial killer who had the multiple personalities. Because, you know, bad people doing bad things to other bad people 
again, like you, doesn't really interest me. And this just feels like more of that. And so touch brown for me. Okay. All right. Up next is Digimon Adventures to the Beginning. Even though it's 10 years later. But anyway, it's 2012 <laughs> and 10 years have passed since the adventure uh, in the digital world. I'm not going to try and pronounce that. It's now 20 and he and the rest of the Digidestined seem to be changing bit by bit in terms of appearance and lifestyle. Then one day a giant Digima, Digitama, Digitama suddenly <laughs> appears in the sky over Tokyo Tower. Uh, Daisuke and uh, the, the others encounter a mysterious young man named Lu Awanda, Awanda, who informs Wanda. them that he's the first ever Digidestined in the world. Ooh. So Digimon, Pokemon, they're both the same to me, and I didn't get it into either. So if you're a fan, you'll enjoy this because it has the original characters, and they have aged since their last adventure. But if you're like me and avoided the game, toys, cartoon, and anything else associated with it while growing up, it'll be a touch brown. Tony, what say you? Digimon, Digimon Monsters, Digimon. That's all I remember. Because my sister watched the dang show, so I, I remember the theme song. Uh, I was never into it. Uh, the talking seems like Samurai Showdown or Marvel versus Capcom fighting games. So as I'm like typing my my thoughts, I sound like a, a, a fighting game was going on in the background. So I like listening to it. The animation, of course, is uh, it's good for Japan animation. It looks nice. Of course, you got to be a fan of Digimon and really weird pop music. So if you're into <laughs> all that, you're in luck. You have a movie that you're probably going to love, and it's coming out. But for me, I'm just not into it. So, Jimmy, I'm, I'm riding the TB streak with you, buddy. Touch wow. ground. Yeah, we are. We're down there flatlining it. Flatline. Uh, Spencer, what do you Well, everybody knows here that I am the resident uh, animation apologist. Uh, but the thing is, again, like like Tony, you know, I remember this show from from when I was younger, and you know, it was the Digimon Digital Monsters Digimon Finding Evil. <laughs> it's like, yes, and so it's like no, no. Then then, uh, so uh, you, the, for this, you definitely need to be a fan of the show uh, to 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 want to go see it. Uh, so I, I I have to touch brown it just because it, I have nothing. I have no. Love lost for the Digimon universe. Uh, Tony, just so you know, uh, Eric in Whittier, California says, stop, please. This brings up bad memories of watching my nephews. So. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. It's back, man. <laughs> uh, Rob, what say you? Uh, yeah, uh, apparently Digimon is a thing again. <laughs> um, I didn't get it the first time around, and I'm not getting it the second time. So <laughs> that's brown. Kind of the, the wish version of Pokemon. Yeah, and a big brown <laughs> yeah. streak for the Digimon from all of us. All right, Tony, what is next? It's a wonderful life. A year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. But when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Now the killer is back and she must team up with the town misfit to identify the killer and get back to her own reality. Dun, dun, dun. In the trailer, it shows you who the killer is. And it's Justin Long's character. He's the killer. And he's a... And what is it? What did I write here? He's fried after he's killed. They they fried him with the uh, battery cables, 
And now Angel Falls is being terrorized by the same person. Except this time around, no one knows who she is. And now she's in a living hell. I like the premise. It definitely reminds me of, like, Scream blended with Happy Death Day and Freaky. I know a producer of uh, Freaky and Happy Death Day did it. Um, I did like those movies. And the holiday theme is just so silly when it comes to horror that it actually looks kind of fun. The movie looks all right. Not theater material for me. But you know what? I'm going to break the streak. And I would watch that at home. So, ho, 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 Mr. Long. It's a blah for me. Okay, it's a blah. Wow. All right. Um, And actually, that is what uh, uh, Mark uh, thought I would say, too, is a blah. But I think I was in a mood when I watched the trailer. Something like this usually piques my interest in one way or another, but my logic commenter took over, and, well, it was not good. a good thing for the trailer. This movie should have been a short film. If I was the main character, first off, if I made that wish and it came true, I don't exist. I know who the killer is. I'm using that as an element of surprise and killing him before he does any more killing. End of movie. But as far as this comment on the trailer and the synopsis, it's over to Touch Brown. All right. On that note, we'll be back with more. Uh, Yep. uh, We'll take a brief pause here before uh, getting Spencer and Rob's opinion of It's a Wonderful Knife. And we'll be right back with the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boomer Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. We're going over movies with Mr. Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews. So far, we talked about the movie Share with a question mark. Spencer gave it a blah. Everybody else gave it a touch brown. Kane. Rob gave it a blah. Everybody else gave it a touch brown. Digimon. Uh, it's a big brown streak. And so far, we've been talking about It's a Wonderful <laughs> Knife. Tony gave it a blah. I gave it a touch brown. And Rob... Let me read the synopsis real quick before you give your opinion. A year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve, Winnie Crothers' life is less than wonderful. But when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmarish parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Now the killer is back, and she must team up with the town misfit to identify the killer and get back to her own reality. All right, Rob, what say you? Uh, actually, like, again, I'm going <laughs> to go against you guys, but I like this one. Um, it looks like a good, fun, like, romp through the um, house of killers, and, you know, it's Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Yay! Christmas killers. <laughs> I like Christmas. Like, I loved Violent Night. You know, that was great. Um, Another pun on the... Yes. <laughs> so I, li- I like these type of movies. I like... Um, I, it was directed or produced by the guys who did Black Christmas. Another one of those cheesy, but decent movies to watch especially if you're just like yeah there's nothing to watch um so this one definitely be a blah for me no okay spencer what say you well uh i'm probably very unhealthy in the head that i feel that puns are the highest form of humor so i really like the title of this one it's a wonderful knife and i do like you know and and christmas set horror movies are so unusual that i really i really kind of like that but then i also really like the design of the killer you know, that, that the angel kind of thing motif it had going on. And then, of course, when they revealed who it was, that, that guy was just chewing up the scenery like it would, like cardboard should be shooting out of his rear end. And, um, you know, I, 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 I like the concept of freaky. And uh, my, my family loves, uh, you know, Happy Death Day. 
So I think I'm actually going to be taking my wife and uh, daughter to go see this. So I think I'm going to have to actually give it a full on good. Okay. Because this sounds like it's going to be a fun uh, family night. All right. So this uh, <laughs> very good in the show, man. Yeah. Uh, this brings us to the 400 pound gorilla la, 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 of the in the room this week, which is the Marvels. And here's the synopsis, which is actually pretty long for a Marvel movie. Uh, Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, has reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and taken revenge on this supreme intelligence. But unintended consequences see Carol shouldering the burden of a destabled universe, destabilized universe, when her duties send her to an anomaly, anomalous wormhole linked to a Cree revolutionary, her powers become entangled with that of Jersey City superfan Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, and Carol's estranged niece, now saber astronaut Captain Monica Rambeau. Together, this unlikely trio must team up and learn to work in concert to save the universe as the Marbles. Okay. So, not sure if it's uh, Marvel fatigue or that I'm just don't like the Carol Danvers El Capitan Marvel, but not quite sure what this one's supposed to be about. Someone who hates El Carol Marvel uh, is destroying every place she calls home. That's a Thanos-level being. And then two others are thrown in, Pulsar and Ms. Marvel, and somehow all three have their powers mixed together, and the hilarity ensues. We will see. We will see this one and re- be reviewing it next week. But I have such a low bar for this; it's not even funny. I'm still going to give it a touch brown, though. Tony, what say you? Oh wow! Uh, well, uh, Captain Marvel two picks up where Miss Marvel, the show, and uh, Monica Rambeau's WandaVision story arcs ended. So it's Marvel. I haven't seen a. Marvel's been a little disappointing lately, so I'm totally with you with the fatigue thing. I don't think aside, I think Loki's probably one of the best, the best ones I've seen in a long time for a Marvel. But uh, I'm into it, so you know, I I'm not going to go in with really high expectations because it doesn't really look that great to me. But I'm hoping to be surprised. So definitely taking Jamie, and we're going to go finally to our first movie since I want to say Haunted Mansion back in August. Wow. And not gone to a movie since then because there's really been nothing. So that is true. I'm going to give it a good. I'll give it a good. All right. Don't expect it to be good. I'm going (laughs) to give it a good. Spencer? Well, uh, yeah, I actually liked. I think that uh, Marvel shows have been a bit stronger in their movies of late. Like, I, I actually fairly, pretty much enjoyed. I enjoyed most of One Division, and I liked Monica Rambeau in that. I was yeah, I was meh on Ms. Ms. Marvel. Uh, Agreed to. Yeah, but uh, Captain Marvel, that first movie committed the cardinal sin of any movie. It was boring. Because everything was predictable, there was no real challenge to the main character, and and Brie Larson just she just wasn't good in it. So I'm not expecting too much from this one, but uh, the the one I, I I like Monica Rambeau. I'm gonna go see it for that, and I do like the actress who plays Ms. Ms. Marvel. So uh, the, the, the the her fangirling is actually fun to watch. So I'll, I'm, I would I'm, agree with that yeah. on that. So I'm going to, I, I am going to, and, and since we are going to go see it, I am going to give it a so-so. So-so. A so-so. Rob, what say you? 
Well, I actually enjoyed Ms. Marvel, like, a lot. Um, I thought it was a great take on her character. I'm sad that they switched her her powers around, but I like that they're, they used them this way, kind of. You know, it's, like, different. I, I'm, I'm, intis- I'm, like, really excited to see how they um, are doing this. I would really hate to be the editor of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> for that sole reason. Uh, but the one thing that does concern me is the runtime. It is only an hour and 45 minutes. Short, short, short Marvel movie. Yep. Um, so I'm very concerned that if they're actually going to be able to wrap up the entire plot line in, in a decent way. Or if they're going to try and slap it into the head. Um, hey, watch Ms. Marvel t- season two. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm. it just concerns me that that. That's that may be what they're doing, and I don't know if it's because they're just doing more editing or if they're trying to die dive down on the Marvel fatigue that everybody seems to be having, and you know. But I, I don't know. It to me, it, it seems like it's going to be an entertaining movie. Like I said, I I enjoyed it. It was a great ending to Ms. Marvel to have her come in, and I've enjoyed watching all the different previews with um, Captain Marvel's character interacting with Ms. Marvel's family. I thought those were like some hilarious moments. So I'm anticipating some good comedy. So for me, it's going to be a good. Okay. So 400 pound gorilla in the room is living up to its uh, um, billing with two goods. One from Tony and Rob Spencer gave it a so-so. And I, of course gave it a touchdown. I streaked. I flatlined this week. (laughs) Everything was a touchdown. You went espresso. I I did. I totally did. So uh, with that being said, next week, um, by the way, Tony, uh, next week is, uh, you know what next week is? Um, The second week of November. I want to say year four. Year five. Being on there. Year five. Holy crap. The end of year five. We're going into year six. Holy cow. This is, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Yep, thank you. Um, so yeah, five Where's years. Five years gone. Um, down down to toilet, if you ask me. But no, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, so, but next week we'll also have movies. So we'll have our review of the Marvels next week, as well as Trolls Banded Together. Uh, Thanksgiving, the Eli Roth horror movie that was based off of his little short that he did as a commercial oh, in one of his other. Oh, movies. oh yeah, the, tra- the trailer in, in the yeah. in between uh, Death Proof and uh, Planet Terror. The Hunger Games, yeah, the, the Ballad of the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which I really don't care about, and a Do Not Disturb. So those are the only four movies I could find for next week, at least thus far. So those those are the ones we'll be talking about, as well as our review of the Marbles. Yeah, spoiler full, spoilered to the tilt, to the hilt with that one. All right, so. Um, um, anyone have an opinion about Iron Man 4? Um, is there an Iron Man 4? Mm, I thought they were doing, aren't they doing Ironheart? Uh, I know they're doing Ironheart, but I don't know yeah. if there's an Iron Man. I did I know, read I, that. I heard that. I, I did see that, something that, uh, I know you go ahead, brother, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, no, I was saying, say the same, I think we we're going to say the same thing that we heard. Yeah, that. absolutely. I'll let you. <laughs> <laughs> that we heard that, uh, Tony Stark is back in the MCU. So, yeah, I heard they were going to be yeah. doing Armor Wars, but not an Iron Man 4. Yeah, I heard of Ironheart, uh, which is in development hell, as well as uh, Armor Wars, which is in development hell. Um, and I heard him talking about a trailer drop today. I'm going to have to look that up now uh, during the break, Eric, um, just to confirm that. 
Um, and are you sure it wasn't a fake trailer? Because the, the uh, there's some sites that are fake fam- famous for those, and uh, which yeah. is because you know. I did read uh, that uh, they are trying to bring back uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. and as well as a few other originals because um, they want to get back to the core of what made the MCU great. I think the Jonathan Major Good writing is what happened. is actually what made well, yeah. it. <laughs> but, but, but actually, there yeah. is a way. That, I agree. Yeah, there actually is a comic book uh, reasoning, you know, besides you know, just resurrecting people, uh, that they could bring RDJ back. That's actually comic accurate, particularly regarding Ironheart. Ironheart actually had an Iron Man AI that was a holographic version of Tony Stark that could actually operate his own suit and all that and all that stuff. That would be uh, so too goofy if they, they did that in the MCU. No, yeah, we'll see. But I think they're going to use this whole multiverse crap to bring them back, a lot of the uh, original characters. Yeah. So that, that's my I just opinion. want them to get going. And you know, I want the strike to, to be over. I hope everyone gets paid, and I hope we get back on action so we actually get movies. But uh, I can't wait to see uh, Deadpool 3. That's, mm-hmm. That should really be a multiverse fun ride right there. All right, so Eric sent me this trailer. I don't see where this is uh, yeah. going. Yeah, definitely. We put this trailer out, and it's only uh, Cinematic Pro Studio. I never heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right, it right. Sounds, sounds to me like oh, it's a fake. Two months ago. Okay, yeah, this is uh, fake. Oh, it's uh, here's our concert concept trailer for Iron Man Four. Uh, it's yeah, not a real Iron Man Four, Eric. So it's kind of like uh, a couple years ago, somebody tried to tell me, oh, they, they're doing Back to the Future 4. I might get out of here. They're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer online. I'm like, good. It's a fake. And yeah. then when you look at it, it's totally got Michael J. Fox clips from the Frighteners and everything. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate bad. it. I don't know bad. why they do that stuff. That is so goofy. Well, it's like yeah, I'm trying to pass it off too. as real. Yeah, yeah I can't misleading. believe that it doesn't get taken down with the amount of like times that YouTube just takes down like arbitrary oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. I tried to do a trailer. I tried to do a review of a show, mm-hmm. and you just used clips oh, from the trailer and I, got ham- I got hammered in like four seconds of posting <laughs> so you know that's that's like all right well then and then we, these we people do this do the, uh, right christian phoenix show man the, our show got pulled like every day because of soundbite clips or audio music that would be heard in the background right so yeah so yeah, yeah, the big one is audio music. Yeah. So they announced a couple of big things coming out. Uh, one is uh, we were talking about it earlier about uh, the what's his name Gosling, Brian Gosling. Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Doing Ryan a, Gosling. A, a, a movie version of the old TV series The Fall Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saw the trailer tonight during Sunday Night Football. Actually, looks pretty entertaining. Do you remember the original TV show? No. I just thought it was like I was like, oh, "Was right. your dad?" <laughs> I'll have to ask him. He ain't around me. Hey, right remember now. the fall guy with uh, what's his name? Uh, Lee, Lee Majors, Majors and, and Heather Locklear. <laughs> wow, in unison, even. Oh, okay. Hey, you do not. You guys are like the evil Lee twins Major. from <laughs> from The Shining. <laughs> anyway. I wasn't disrespecting. No, okay. no, no you were Fair no. enough. Um, all right. So, and then uh, the Shogun is an old TV series. I guess it's being redone on FX as well. 
So yeah, yeah, that was Richard Chamberlain originally, I That's, believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was. That actually looked pretty cool. That was also on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> showed a trailer of that tonight. So I saw both of them this evening. So. Ah. Oh, well, then uh, you know what we're talking about. Okay. I, I do. So as you're saying, I go, wait. So we saw that on the TV. Yeah, uh, real quick, since we only got like th- uh, about two minutes. Um, so, uh, Loki, uh, issue five came out. Issue five. Yeah, issue five. I <laughs> love mean, it. Issue five. Uh, issue five. Episode five, uh, came out. Five. I, I was kind of, incident. I was a little disappointed in it because it was such a cliffhanger ending to number four. And then this mm-hmm. comes yeah. out and it's kind of like, you know, now Loki is no longer the God of mischief in Norse mythology. He's some kind of weird time traveling being. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. can, that can circumvent the actual physics of time travel, I guess, um, by being able to time travel when there is no time, <laughs> which is weird. But anyway, uh, so your thoughts on it? Uh, I enjoyed the show. I, it was it was definitely weird to pick up from the cliffhanger. I The end was a little confusing for me, the whole fact that he just all of a sudden knew how to, to like control his time bending issue so so there you go you kind of open the door like you said where you could bring back a robert downey jr or whoever whatever variant you want to bring back you could technically just do because he was able to do it and that it was a little weird at times i was like is is this going on during the thanos snap like what's going on because i said this every time the spaghetti stuff showed up it was like the dust was kind of there Huh, and weird. that was a little different. I did. I missed but, that part. You know, we we really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. They kind of just made it where he's just, you know, he's able to do it. So I look forward. The season finale should be Thursday next week, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's been a great. It's been a great series. So I've I've really enjoyed it. I just wish I'd get more into Loki being Loki instead of, you know, the weird stuff that they're having Loki do as far as this TVA time travel. I think they're going to make him like the head of the TVA. Really? Yeah. Oh, that'd be disappointing if they did that. But I think that that's what they're going. Because control, right? Yeah. Yeah, There's there's rumor that Owen Wilson is actually a Thor variant. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, not not in the sh- not in the show. Outside oh. of the you know, fans are 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 putting forth the, the 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 theory that Owen Wilson's character is actually a variant, a Thor variant. Well, apparently, there's too many recreational Nevada recreational drugs involved with that theory. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, that's definitely going to complicate the fan fiction. Mm-hmm. I, I did like he finally got to be on his jet ski though. Yes, yes. In this. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. And I guess uh, Loki was the one who originally brought Dawn, him to yeah, the show. Yeah, Don, 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 Don. Don it's such a total like kind it. of lame name for him, but Don. Yeah, Mobius does sound pretty cool. Yeah. All right, what Tony. About my kids. It's time to go, buddy. So thank you. All right. And, uh, we will talk to you, you next, week next week for the big fifth anniversary uh, celebration. Five times. Uh, Woohoo! See you guys next week. And we'll be back with our big interview with legendary game designer, Mr. Scott Rogers, right after this. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Moon Radio Show right after this break. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Originally a Disney engineer, our guest this week has spent the last 25 plus years as a game designer and creative director of more than 50 AAA games for Disney, Sony, Chemcom, Namco, 
and THQ. Scott's games have earned over $4 billion and sold over 50 million copies worldwide. And most recently, the board games Alien, Fate of the Nostromo, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the board game. He has also authored the books Level Up, The Guide to Great Video Game Design, and Swipe This, The Guide to Great Touchscreen Game Design. Please welcome to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show legendary game designer, author, and also lectures and teaches video game level design at the University of Southern California's prestigious School of Interactive Media and the New York Film Academy, Mr. Scott Rogers. And how are you, sir? Legendary. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's the only way I can see to describe um, everything that you've done. I mean, <laughs> four billion in sales, over fifty million copies of games sold worldwide. Yeah. Um, some game games that are you know household Everybody names. Knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some games that are favorites in my household. Yeah, Darksiders. Yeah, if only I got to keep some of that money. Right. <laughs> yeah, you made fifty-four billion for somebody. It just wasn't you. For somebody, was... yeah, exactly. Uh, keep well, on... you were you were saying Darksiders, one of your favorites. Um, actually, Eric from Whittier, California, just uh, just uh, sent in a message. He wants to know. Oh, uh, he wants me to ask you what happened to Dark with Darksiders uh, or Dark. What happened? Yeah. THQ went out of business. Oh. The studio that made it went under, and all the assets got bought up by uh, what was formerly called THU Nordic, and I think they're now the Embracer Group. Oh. Hmm. I know Embracer Group. So, yeah. so are they going to continue with it, or is it kind of up in the air? I don't. I don't work for those guys, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but you do have recently have some board games that came out: mm-hmm. Alien, Fate of the Nostromo, and I. Rem- I did a. It's going to be up on the YouTube channel one of these years. <laughs> but I did an interview video in, or interview with you at the. Uh, RageCon this past year, yeah. Um, yeah, and, great. and we talked a little bit about uh, Alien: Fate of ne- Fate of the Nostromo, because um, Alien is one of my favorite franchises. Um, I Mine don't know too. If, I don't know if you caught the beginning of the show with a uh, Phoenix question of the week was uh, you know naming a female heroine from film, television, or etc. And I kind of named Ripley from the Alien series as kind of who I would say embodies or is. The inspiration for women around the world, as far as a strong female lead character. So, sure, yeah, maybe maybe one of the first female action heroes. Yeah, she was actually with Aliens when that came out, and Alien itself. Um, So, but an interesting thing that you brought up was uh, when we did that video interview was that you had originally done the. game and and did all the uh, mechanics for it and everything and then during the test play i guess it was so hard nobody was able to win at the game <laughs> yeah, like a 10 percent survivability i think you said Something yeah like that. that was my original oh. goal I, i'm a fan of i don't think that players need to win games all the time <laughs> i i think that there's a challenge in playing a game, having a good time, and losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Alien game, when I first designed it, was ridiculously hard. And um, I sent it off to the good folks at Robinsberger who published the game, and they were like, yeah, this is too hard. We need to we need to adjust. I said, all right. Oh, it sounds like you'd be I'll, very at I'll home at From it, Software. I'll dial it back. What's that? <laughs> sounds like you'd be very at home at From Software. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... I I like to say that the game that I made um, back in the early 2000s, which was called Maximo, was Dark Souls before Dark Souls. Oh. Anybody remember if that you, game? If you have a PS2, I, 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 do I highly that, yeah. recommend checking it out. It's 
extremely hard. Uh, it, the re- uh, reviews were very polarizing. They were either they said I love it because it's too hard, or I hate it because it's too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, see, the uh, frustrating I, throw the controller at the TV screen hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, see, uh, <laughs> uh, was it as, as the level of uh, Ghosts and Goblins? Oh, was it? Um, it wasn't as hard as Ghosts and Goblins, <laughs> but it was set in the same universe. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it definitely shared the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because yeah. that game, my, yeah. my little brother actually beat that game, and then it started <laughs> over harder. <laughs> so he just yeah. ended up yeah. breaking, ripping the cartridge out of the Nintendo and breaking it in half. <laughs> so yeah, I, about it. I, I myself have never been able to finish any of the Ghosts and Goblins games. They're, they're too hard for me. But um, we do, Maximo um, has a lot of, the biggest is music, but also there's a lot of familiar mechanisms and and um characters and things like that that are from uh, the ghost and goblins games it's technically um from that series but um uh capcom was a little hesitant uh, to put that on the merchandise you know to say hey this is uh, you know in the ghost and goblins universe so we would say that ghost and goblins takes place in england where maxima takes place in italy mm. you know it's mm. kind of that type of equivalent Okay. All right. So you have a new game that is out now, which is quite yep. uh, kind of uh, along the lines of uh, Alien Fate of the Nostromo, and that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from uh, the good folks at Trick or Treat Studios. Yep. And uh, here's the synopsis for the game. Uh, the semi-cooperative game, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the game, is based on the 1974 movie of the same name, and the plot of the game follows that storyline. You and your friends have run out of gas on the side of the highway and need to find help. You need to search for keys and gas by using actions to flip tokens. And once these items have been found, you need to get back to the van in order to escape. Leatherface will chase the players throughout the map. And if he catches a player, he takes them to the killing room. Once there, the player has three turns to attempt to escape before Leatherface eliminates the player. Um, So is it just as hard as uh, Alien Fate of the Nostromo or harder? Uh, it's it can be pretty hard. Um, you know, people have said they've won it, but the other people have said they haven't. Um, yeah, you know, again, I, I like to make hard games. Now, again, the first version that I turned in was really hard, and the folks were like, mm, maybe we should make let the player win a little more often. So um, uh, it is, it, but it can be um, adjusted. We have some modes in the rule book that say, look, you know, if you like the base game, great, play the base game. If you feel like it needs to be a little harder, go ahead and add these objective cards. If you want it even harder, we have something that we call slaughter mode, and that makes the game even harder than that. <laughs> slaughter and then the mode, huh? well, yeah. And, of course, the, the people that are fans of the game on Board Game Geek have been chiming in and coming up with their own variants to make the game even harder. Okay. So uh, there's a lot to choose from, well, if you, you know, depending on your your difficulty level. Well, with it being a cooperative game, those ones are harder to win because oh. everybody has to win or everybody yeah, loses. Semi-cooperative. <laughs> everybody yeah. wins so, or now, everybody now loses. The, yeah. the, now, the Texas Chainsaw Master game is slightly different than some of those games in which you can leave characters, players behind, and they can end up dead while the others escape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've played game, a game similar to that with, with, my, with my sister, and whenever she realizes she's not winning... Or she's not going to win. She just makes sure everybody else loses. Right. It sounds right. like this is something you could pull game. in this game too. <laughs> um, you could, you could, you know. I mean, I, 
I, you know, granted, I usually recommend that people, uh, you know, follow the rules, play by the spirit of the game, and, and try to cooperate. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, you can't, once people have the game in their hands, you can't stop them from playing it the way they want to play. That's true. I, I kind of go along more with the analogy. Uh, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to outrun that. I love face. I, I just I love the you. cooperative games, and I like that. My kids do too. Like we like that aspect. Like, you know, I thought when it said semi-cooperative, I was like, ooh, does somebody get to actually be Leatherface? Like the Jaws one, somebody's Jaws, but the other players, like, right, right. You know, so I was <laughs> no, like, but- the other now, so the irony is this is the the anniversary year uh, uh, coming. Now oh, this year is the anniversary year of the movie, and um, there's actually two board games. And so the other Texas Chainsaw Massacre game called Slaughterhouse uh, by Funko, um, that one is a one versus many game. So that one you can play as Leatherface against the other players. But ours uh, is strictly a cooperative game. Um, uh, just because AI like designing cooperative games, uh, I find them a very interesting design challenge. And uh, B, that's what the publisher asked for. Mm-hmm. So I, I, out of curiosity, how did you go from being an, a Disney Imagineer to doing games? Well, they laid me off. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that'd be a, no, okay. I, Fair enough. No, no. I mean, no. Uh, it, my, my department closed. Um, so the irony is the board game, I, I, I've always loved board games. And I was designing a board game at the time um, called Ray Guns and Rocket Ships. And then I got the job at Disney. And Disney is notorious for, um, you know, intellectual property rights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of frown on um, sometimes on outside projects. And so I wanted to play it safe. So I kind of postponed Ray Guns and Rocket Ships until um, uh, I was not working for them anymore. Um, and so I left uh, the the, the the company I was working for a division um, that we were gamifying Disneyland. So I know you guys are in you're in Nevada, right? Have you uh, ever gone to Disneyland and played an, an app called Disney Play? Yes. Okay. So the project I was working on was kind of the precursor to Play. We were we set up all the technology, got like came up with a lot of the game ideas, things like that. Mm. But they closed our department. They said, well. We're we're fun, we're funneling money into other things, and we're going to close your department. And so they laid off, unfortunately, everybody that was working on this project. But that freed me up to work on Ray Guns, uh, and then go pitch it, and then it eventually uh, became a published game by IDW Games. Nice. Okay. Um, and from there, how did you get involved with a uh, God of War? Oh well, that was that was uh, previous to all that. Um, I uh, um, uh, was working for Capcom, and um, the job ended. Um, they, you know, they weren't going to make the third. They, they canceled the third Maximo game, and I was kind of bummed out about that because I was really looking forward to that. And I looked around and talked to a whole bunch of different companies, and I went down to Sony in Santa Monica. I'm a big fan of Greek mythology. And they were making this game that looked like a Ray Harryhausen movie. I'm like, I want to work on it. I want to work on this game. This looks awesome. And so I worked for it for about a year. I did all the bosses. I did the first level, which had the, the Hydra monster. And I did something that um, after you finish the game, it's called the Challenge of the Gods. And it's kind of like a 25-level challenge of different mechanics. And I worked there for about a year, and we 
finished the game up, and when the game was done, uh, it shipped off, and then I ended up getting a job at THQ. And uh, that game has actually become quite an IP. As a matter of fact, um, oh, yeah. um, a, a frequent guest on the show is Mark Ferguson Hawk Ospie. Uh, they're okay. screenwriters who have done uh, the, the Expanse, and they did the original Iron Man script, um, uh, Children of Men, and um, Cowboys and Aliens. And they oh, are, right, yeah. they're slated to actually, they're doing the screenplay for this, or the doing the scripting for the series God of War, which will be coming out on Netflix. Right, yeah, that's very exciting. So uh, the, the, did they... The, did the they well, I, oh, um, well, Mark Fergus and uh, Hawk Osby, they're very much, when they go to do scripting, for like when they did The Expanse, um, uh-huh. they like to really work closely with the creators. Um, they worked really closely with the authors to do the first, uh, like, first for three seasons. Um, right. Have they been in contact with you as far as in regards to uh, getting the well, scripting right for the from God of War? Well, again, I, I don't work for Sony anymore, so oh. I, I wouldn't know. Um, but um, the majority of the people that I worked with, guys like Dave Jaffe and Big Off Moosin and, and whatnot, um, uh, they're no longer with the company. They, they went on to bigger and better things. Um, but I do know that one of the, at least one of the folks from the original team, that's uh, uh, Corey Barlog, I think is still working on the God of War games. Um, but uh, again, it's you know this is a very common. Uh, you know the turnover in the video game industry is is pretty. You know usually it's about you're lucky if you last about five years at a company uh, before moving on to something else. Um, so I'm sure who they're talking to is um, you know probably the producers on the new game. Uh, I don't know if it's the same people that were uh, the producers when I was working on it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the new series is really cool. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, that game series has been around so long that now students that I've taught are actually working on the new uh, iteration. So, <laughs> oh, nice. so it's, it's not quite my children, but it's, you know, kind of feels a little bit like that. Feels a little generational. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of like passing on a legacy type thing. All right, sir, I got about uh, 45 seconds until we have to take a hard break. Um, I got a lot more to talk to you about because you got a couple of games that are coming out still this year. Uh, yep. Diamonds and Dinosaurs, for example, as well as yeah. some others. Um, can you stick around for another segment? I'd be happy to. All right. We'll be back with more with Mr. Scott Rogers. If you'd like to, uh, unfortunately, we've been having phone difficulties this evening. Um, but if you want to try and get through, uh, the best number to call is 775-515-4141. Or you can always send me a message through the Pop Culture Boom Facebook page, which I have up right now. And that's how Eric was able to get his question in. But if you'd like to talk more with Mr. Scott Rogers about any of the games that he has done or about his courses at uh, the... Uh, or is that Southern UCLA? Is that right? Uh, USC and the New York Film Academy. Uh, yeah. If you want to find out about how to take his courses, um, well, I guess this would be the best best person to ask. And we'll be back with more with Scott Rogers right after this. So don't go anywhere. More Puckles Boom Radio Show coming up. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show. 
show, and we have with us Mr. Scott Rogers. He is a legendary game designer, um, as from uh, video games to board games and everything in between. And you have some uh, games coming up, sir. Actually, a uh, quick question, sir. Uh, is there a website somebody can go to to look up the games that you have done? Um, well, the, the, I don't have like a, uh, you know, here's a big list of everything I've done, but I do have a infrequently updated blog called <laughs> Mr. Boss's Design Lair. Uh, so if you just look up Mr. Boss Design and Scott Rogers, it's, you know, just like a blog site. Uh, you can check it out. I, you know, I, I, some, I post if I have new projects going on. Like, for example, I just had a book about tabletop game design come out called Your Turn, the Guide to Great Tabletop Game Design. And so you can read all about that. And I talk a little bit about working on that uh, book uh, as well on the blog. You beat me to the punch on that. I was going to get into that because I have it up right here. Yeah, um, and I happen to be designing a, ta- a, ter- a tabletop game. So that, well, that and here you go. Helpful, yeah. um, there you it, go. And here's the synopsis. Whether you are a novice or an experienced pro, this easy-to-follow guide to designing board games is for you. In your turn, the guide to great tabletop game design, veteran game designer Scott Rogers, creator of tabletop games including Ray Guns and Rocket Ships, I'm going to pronounce that, Pantone, Pantone? Yep, Pantone, yeah. The game and Alien Fate of the Nostromo delivers a practical walkthrough to help you create over a half dozen game prototypes, including dice card, euro, miniature, and party games. So, and that is going, is available uh, now. Now, Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, Amazon, uh, uh, Books Books a Million, uh, Barnes & Noble, Wiley.com, which is the publisher, uh, everywhere fine books are sold. <laughs> so, and also while you're there, you can also pick up a level up, uh, the guide to yep. great video game design also by Mr. Rogers and also swipe. Why is that up there? Swipe this, the guide to great touchscreen game design. So yeah. all kinds of different, uh, everything you need if you were into game design or want to start getting into game design. Yeah. A man of many hats yeah, when it I comes mean, to game there's design. A, there's a lot of people that are very excited about game design as a career. It's it's something that, you know, when I was young, uh, it, there was no books, there were no classes, there was no degrees. Uh, it was just us kind of fumbling around with our computers and making it up as we went. And, um, and but, but, you know, I made a lot of mistakes back then. And uh, so when I uh, wrote Level Up, which was my first book, um, it essentially was something that I wanted to give to people to go, look, here's a bunch of things, you know, here are things that I've learned. Here's a bunch of interesting tricks and techniques that I've picked up over the years. And here's a bunch of things that I learned that went wrong and how I, you know, how I fixed them. Uh, now, so that way you don't have to make the same mistakes. Now, I've never been into actual game design, but I remember like back when gaming or video you know, computers basically first started because um, I was of the generation of when Atari first came out. And so my I had the Intellivision, but other people that actually had money or had ColecoVision and, yep, yep. you know, and so and then it mm-hmm. kind of went into Nintendo. But back then when, you know, you were taking like a computer course in high school, uh, they it was rudimentary kind of, you know, you had to code everything to just yep. to do the simplest things. Um, has it game design as far as video games advanced since then is it a lot easier now or is it still <laughs> yeah absolutely to... leaps and bounds really and and has of course become ultimately more complex 
uh, much more of a, uh, you know, you could call it an art in a way. Um, and um, But that said, um, there has never been an easier time, or there's never been a better time for people to start learning how to make video games. There are so many resources available that are free, everything from, you know, YouTube tutorials and websites and, you know, Reddit posts and things like that to uh, full-blown, you know, courses and uh, classes, you know, like at the University of Southern California as possibly the best game design um, uh, degree, you know, career uh, path in the world. Um, also, the, you know, places like the New York Film Academy has a great game design department. Um, and then, of course, there are lots of books and, and so many, and, and then the tools are free, a lot of them. You can, you know, you can still get, I think you can still get the base Unity for free, although uh, aren't they starting to charge uh, per download, something like that. Yeah, something but like you, can that. Get on, you, you can get Unreal for free. And then, of course, there's tons of assets that people have made that you can, you know, just buy, you know, very cheaply or get for free and just start building your own game from scratch. Now, I remember uh, at a time before this uh, next gen of console came out, there was always that kind of um, imbalance between the software and the hardware and how the game designers were kind of upset about uh, hardware not being able to keep up with what they're able to do. Oh, do you think that yeah. do you think that balance has started to balance out a little bit now with the next oh, gen? Oh yeah. Or? I mean it's it's so the board game that I made Ray Guns and Rocket Ships was created because the technology that I wanted to have for the for the game didn't exist at the time. I uh, in Ray Guns and Rocket Ships you uh, it's a it's a game where you're playing kind of like 1930s flash forward y type characters, and um, you have a big rocket ship that you run around and kind of uh, do things in. So a little bit like if you know the game Faster Than Light, uh, then um, you leap out into outer space, and you can have combat in outer space, and then you can jump onto your uh, opponent's ship and fight them. And that uh, transition from I wanted to do it without a load. I wanted it to be seamless, where you jump out, go into this big outer space environment, and then you can go into the other guy's ships. And uh, the technology at the time just didn't exist. People were like, we can't do that without a load. We just, you know, it's just too much data uh, that we're trying to, you know, you have to refresh textures and and, poly- and the, uh, the models for the ships and the characters and things like that. And so I was getting frustrated because of people just saying, we can't do that. But I said, well, but I can do it in a board game. And so that's where that board game came from. But now uh, you have games like um, No Man's Sky, which mm-hmm. you can run into a spaceship, jump into the spaceship, blast off, go into outer space, and then fly to another planet and get out and run around without any loads. Mm-hmm. Because the technology uh, is such that, um, you know, load times, which used to be, you know, we would sit through, you know, I remember playing games like um, Wing Commander, where it would literally take minutes uh, for the next area to load. And, it, you know, you would just sit and go, oh, you know, tap your finger. But now uh, that's, that is an obstacle that um, game designers and creators are like, we don't like this. Let's, let's try to eliminate that. Or, or games like Uncharted or um, you know, Tomb Raider or things like that. Uh, in the old days, you, have to, you had to have transitions between levels. Now... 
you can just run from one place to another. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of that Nightmarish game, uh, Resident Evil, when it first came yep. out and, <laughs> yeah. on the PlayStation the 2. And yeah, there. you went in the wrong oh, door and you had to like go through the whole load again. I was like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. the new one, so you don't have to do that, right? So uh, yeah, well, especially so, with the solid state hard drives that they have now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like yeah, it's the, fantastic. Yeah, like this the first Spider Man game that that came out a couple years ago. That they had transitions where, like you know, you could see Spider Man riding on the on the subway. But on this yeah. generation of systems, the, the transition's so fast, you don't get to see those anymore. Oh. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah well, they don't need them anymore, yeah, right? Exactly. They, don't need yeah. to, they don't need to do a load or anything like that. So you've got a couple more games coming out this year, as a matter of uh, fact. Maybe next year, I think. Uh, I think they're going to go to Kickstarter early, or I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, Diamonds and Dinosaurs, which was the game that I, I think you're going to talk about, Yeah, uh, which was at RageCon. Um, I believe uh, Card Lords is the publisher. I believe they're going to offer it on uh, Kickstarter in next year. So, uh, so it's 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 ready. It's 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 totally playable and fun and all that. But I think because of um, Tucker's, uh, who's the guy who runs Card Lords, uh, his publishing schedule, he's got um, a bunch of games in the pipeline. So I think he's like, well, let's push it out till uh, twenty four. Just to you know, give me a little breathing room. <laughs> well, you did it to yourself. No, <laughs> um, uh, comic book crisis. So that's um, still being developed. I haven't found a publisher for that yet. Um, I'm still debating whether I want to uh, get a publisher for that or kickstart it myself. But that's a game that has an extremely unique uh, twist to it. It's a worker, a superhero worker placement game that you can play on any comic book that's ever been published. So if you want to um, go to your local comic store and buy, uh, you know, your favorite comic book, you can play it on that. Or if you want to crack open your uh, million-dollar copy of Action Comics number one, you can play it on that. <laughs> Nobody is doing that. There are some people out there that, okay. Oh, and they are releasing yeah. that facsimile copy. Yeah, they have now. a facsimile yeah. copy True, now. Yeah. You don't have to crack open that million-dollar copy anymore. Yeah, I believe the facsimile came out earlier this year. So yep. you can you can always get that for like six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's an interesting one. Um, based on a true story, Kringa. Yeah, Kringa is another one that's still in development. I, I'm still, I have some interested parties for that, but I, I don't have anybody who's committed yet. Uh, that again, it's a it's a worker placement game, but it's a worker placement horror game, so, um, and it's based on a real story, which is the um, uh, the story that is the genesis of uh, Dracula and and other vampire myths. And but it's uh, this real event that happened in. Uh, Oh man, I'm forgetting the date. I want to say like the 1300s or something like that. But huh. yeah, it's about this uh, vampire that terrorized this little town uh, for for you know decades. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and and based on a true story, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that that one had to put. So just uh, for clarification for people who aren't um, you know familiar with the me- game mechanics of board games, what does worker um, Worker, worker placement? Yeah, what does that right. mean exactly? So um, in terms of, say, Kringa, uh, worker placement means you ha- start with a certain number of uh, usually, um, you know, pawns or meeples or some, you know, some representative piece that represents a character that is going to go and essentially go do a job for you. 
So let's say you send your uh, in Kringa, you have a family of uh, of meeples, and so let's say you send the father out to the forest to go collect wood is one of the resources. So you would send him out there, and he would um, stay there for uh, at least a turn. So you can't use him in another way. He's committed to that spot, and then at the end of that that turn, um, and once everybody's kind of placed their their workers, uh, then you can collect the wood resources. Uh, Kringa has a special um, uh, mechanism in it that you can actually stay longer, but the longer you stay on the space, the longer you risk running into the vampire or other bad things. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, uh, one with a 2025 release date, uh, which is pretty far out there, Flying Fox Farms. <laughs> yes, another one that's still in development. Um, I, uh, uh, I've come up with what I think is a unique combination of mechanics which is aerial combat and farming <laughs> i'd say that's unique yeah and i'll and i'll, I'll leave it at that for now but okay. uh, yeah that one I'm, I'm still working on uh i'm very excited about it and uh you know the way the way that these games work is um game designers will you know kind of toil for you know anywhere from months to years on different designs uh and then they will go to um, events like um, uh, Gen Con or Gamma or Board Game Geek Con or even Rage Con and meet with publishers who are showing up to these events um, and, uh, and try to sell them. Uh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's kind of this case-by-case case usually, unless you're working for a larger company like Funko or Robinsberger, something like that. Um, and, uh, and so you're, you're literally like, kind of like um, movies where you're pitching and, and you know in the movie industry you pitch screenplays uh, well in the board game industry you pitch board games and so you show them to the publisher and you play hopefully get to play it with them uh, and if they like it they'll ask for a copy and then they'll play it some more and make a decision whether they want to make it or not um, and then uh, like in the case of diamonds and dinosaurs uh, Tucker liked the game so much and he said you know let's make it and then what they do is they then do kind of the heavy lifting, which is uh, in a lot of cases they get the art uh, made. They'll, they'll commission artists to make the art for the game. They'll work on the graphic design to make sure everything's nice and clear. Uh, they'll help the designer will work with them to make sure the rules are in a good shape. And then, of course, they'll market and then publish it and get it out to the world at large. Well, I'm almost out of time, sir. i got about a minute left. Um, are, do you have any appearances coming up like you did with RageCon? Well, unfortunately, I've been dealing with a health issue. I, oh. I have Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. Oh, no. um, and as a result, uh, I have a low uh, white blood cell count, which means I'm highly susceptible to um, infections mm-hmm. and, and diseases and whatnot. So my doctor order is like, sorry, uh, no big public gatherings until uh, you're, you know, you're back and, and healthy. So I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. I've been halfway through my treatment. Um, they're talking about some other uh, uh, interesting ways to resolve this. Um, I probably won't be at anything until next year. Uh, the first thing I have scheduled, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, is the Board Game Geek West, uh, which is in Nevada at the 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 Rio, I believe, hotel. Um, so I'll be at that. I'll probably bring some prototypes with me so I can play test them because that's the other great thing 
you can do with these shows is there's lots of gamers who want to play games. And so you get them to play your game and they give you lots of great feedback and it becomes a better game. Well, sir, I appreciate you being a guest on the show tonight. And um, uh, hopefully, uh, I hope your health situation does improve. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm on, a, you know, so far so good. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll see how the second half of this turns out. Well, I hope it turns out for the best. Yeah, and, uh, me too. Again, thank you. And uh, everybody, go and check out his books everywhere you can get a book. Swipe this as well as Level Up and also um, Your Turn. Your turn. <laughs> All yeah, available at your local bookstore. And also go and check out his board games, Alien, Fate of the Nostromo, really good game, which is out now, as well as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sir, again, I appreciate you being on, and uh, we will talk to you hopefully again in the near future very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Every- and take care and play games. Yes, yes. sir. And uh, everybody else will be right back with the remainder of the uh, show, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboomer Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Amazon MGM Studios is currently working on a girl with a dragon tattoo series, choosing Venna Stud as showrunner. The series will be set in the world of the Millennium novels, originally written by Stag Larson. It has been in development since 2022, with the plot still remaining under wraps. How can it still be under wraps? Yeah, it's based on those novels. Anyway, The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo series was originally meant to be a new standalone story focusing on Lisbeth Salander. The character was portrayed by Rodney, Ronnie Mara in the uh, 2000... Rooney Mara? Okay. In the uh, 2011 film adaptation that also starred Daniel Craig, Amazon MGM Studios will be producing the series along with Left Bank Pictures based on Sony Pictures Television. The Millennium Book series is primarily centered around Elizabeth Salander and Mikhail Bolskvist. Larson uh, completed the three books in the series before his passing in 2024. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl Who Played with Fire, and The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest were written by Larson. David Legercrantz, who then took over the novels, writing The Girl in the Spider's Web, The Girl Who Takes an Eye for an Eye, and The Girl Who Lived Twice. So if you're into those, then you'll have a TV series to go off of. The completed series we were really excited for that Disney Plus passed on. We'll see the light of day after all. Nautilus, which will be a prequel of sorts to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, all about one Captain Nemo has been saved by AMC. Nautilus is a big sweeping drama that is sure to appeal to fans of of uh, Anne Rice Immortal Universe and other buzzy and fan-forward series like Orphan Black, Echoes, Ben Davis, EVP of Original Programming, where AMC Networks and AMC Studios said in a statement, did that seem really confusing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're looking forward to bringing it to AMC Plus and AMC as a special television event next year. All 10 episodes will reportedly hit AMC and AMC Plus sometime in 2024. Hmm. So have you seen anything about if they've already got it and it's 10 episodes and it's already filmed and in the can, as they like to say, mm-hmm. 
why are they waiting for? Well, one might have a lot of post-production, you know, a lot of CGI work that's, and, and other post-production needs to be done. And two, they're probably just waiting for a, a, point, a point in their release schedule because, you know, they have other TV shows and stuff. They've made deals I was gonna on say, they, they Yeah, when they do TV shows for the year, like, everything's, like, planned out, like, a year in advance. Yeah, because like, I, I know with things. my publisher, they're like, hey, if you want to get this out by... You know, Octo- date, October, yeah. you have to be, you have it in like almost a year in advance. Well, I'd say this isn't enough in advance. Anyway, uh, Futurama is getting renewed for two more seasons Woo-woo. by Hulu. A variety reports that the beloved adult animated series will get another 20 episodes. So that's 10 per year. Hulu made the decision to pursue 20 episodes to bring the show back in February of 2022. Now, with 10 already released, they've been successful enough to sign up for more Futurama. As an older animated series with a dedicated fan base, it's not hard to see why people were excited at the proposal of a revival. Humorously, Futurama has a bit of a reputation of being enduring as well. It's faced cancellation multiple times and always seems to come back from the grave. The Anna Mayhem brand over at Hulu is considered a pillar of their programming for the streamer. So, with Futurama helping lead the way, this stabilizes their offering along with other crowd-pleasers like Bob's Burgers and a recently concluded Archer. One would have to believe the King of the Hill reboot will slide in seamlessly as well. Futurama has been a huge boost to Hulu's adult animation category so far, making the top ten list of the Nielsen rating six times since its release of season 11. So, congratulations on that. Universal Pictures and Bloomhouse's 2021 horror film The Black Phone is getting a sequel. The announcement comes from director Scott Dickerson himself. The Black Phone made over $160 million around the world as many viewers had positive reactions to it. It has won the 2022 Saturn Award for Best Horror Film and the 2023 Hollywood Critics Association Film Award for Best Horror. The Black Phone was quite the sinister original original concept for a horror film movie. Ethan Hawke starred as child abductor and murderer, the grabber. Hawke's character abducted 13-year-old Finley, locking him away in a soundproof basement. The only item in the basement is a disconnected telephone that, that mysteriously starts ringing. When Finley answers, it, answers, he is able to communicate with the grabber's past victims, who tell him how to escape? Seeing how the film ended, it'll be interesting to see if it actually if it'll actually be a sequel or a prequel, though. Mm. And that's the only question there. Don't we all know how much you love prequels? No, I don't. It could be it could be a sequel in the vein of you know, like another child adapter or something like that too. Could be. We'll, we'll see. Or continuing the story of uh, yeah. or or they Finney. retcon or they retcon the ending to, to, to be something else. That, that yeah, that like that, that, that hasn't happened before. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a staple <laughs> of horror movies right there. Yeah, which uh, it brings up something interesting about uh, when we talked with Sandy King Carpenter. Yeah. last week was it last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, about uh, Ghosts of Mars. Yeah, and she really? said how it ended. It couldn't, you know, it was kind of concluded. No, <laughs> you can fix things. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. So, 
Again, filmmaker Francis Lawrence is teasing us with Constantine 2, a follow-up to the 20, 20, 2005 superhero movie starring Keanu Reeves. Despite some major delays on the long gestating sequel, it seems that things are starting to get moving. The biggest hurdle is the now-resolved writer strike, but now that the writers are back to work, Lawrence is once again meeting with Reeves, giving that Constantine is based on the DC Vertigo comic Hellblazer. Writes to the character have also been an issue. So Constantine 2 got, ob- got obviously held up by the writer's strike. Lawrence told GameStop, and we had to jump through a bunch of hurdles to get control of the character again because other people had control of the Vertigo stuff. We have control. Kano and Akiva Goldsmith, Goldsman and I have been in meetings, and who does that? And have been uh, hashing out what we think the story is going to be, Lawrence said. And there's more meetings of those that have to happen. The script has to be written, but really hoping that we get to do Constantine 2 and make a real rated R version of it. Ooh. The first Constantine film was also also starred Rachel Weiss, Shai LaBeouf. Tilda Swinton, who Swinton, who mm-hmm. played uh, David, who was that? Yeah, she played, played the David. ancient one yeah. in uh, the MCU. Oh, who cares about that? We're talking about DC. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the, yeah, she played uh, Gabriel. One of the, Gabriel, Gabriel. That was it. That's who I was trying to think of. Actually, did a really good job too. Perrett, Tyler, Vince, uh, Damon, Human, Gavin Rosendale, Peter Marmar, Max, yeah. Max Baker. F- Francis Guyman, why are they listing all these people? I don't think they're bringing them back. There is no word on, on if anyone aside from Reese will be reprising their roles. So probably not. Because well, well Rachel they, Wise won't. No, <laughs> well they haven't they haven't written it yet. So who knows? Well, if they're going to continue the uh, if they're going to go off a of Hellblazer, then they probably wouldn't have the same characters. Mm-hmm. So well, it, it, you it never know. You, to you a can have You're visiting, yeah. Or a different story arc, maybe Gabriel. So if they bring back mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, Swinton, that'd be that'd be okay with me. Okay, so it made some amount of sense that yet another Stephen King adaptation would get some kind of update around the spookiest time of the year. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Pictures' long gestating Salem's Lot reboot did premiere a trailer during CinemaCon 2022, and we expected some kind of update on a release at least by now. Uh, then most of inter- strikes. Yeah, well, no, just they just haven't done anything. Most industry insiders were expecting at least another trailer and maybe news of a theatrical release likely during, you know, Halloween. But that obviously didn't happen. According to Variety, word on the Hollywood Street is that the film is now headed to streaming on Warner Brothers Max. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that Warner Brothers Pictures did respond to the story saying, no decision has been made about the film's future distribution plans. <laughs> well, because it was actually, it was part, it was originally part of the chopping block when they were getting rid of in acting movies. Oof. So, well, it was one of those that they didn't. And part of that reason why is because Stephen King actually saw and has said that it is a very good adaptation of his book. So they're keeping it. Because I believe. Of that I believe that's why they haven't made a final decision on what they're doing. Good. And then it was. And then he actually came out again today. They like there was a couple of publishers like republished his uh, tweet about it. So oh, I have a yeah, feeling so. it's. Yeah. I have a feeling it might be going forward faster. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah, you get you get basically the endorsement from the king of horror. You're going to try and well, cash in on that. He hates his movies being oh, yeah, adapted. Yeah. So, <laughs> to, for him to actually say that this one's a good one is like okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like. <laughs> 
I'm surprised Mike Flanagan didn't direct it, in all honesty. <laughs> Speaking of, did you see uh, Follow the House of Usher? Yes. Yeah, so did I. Did you? Uh, no, it's on my to-watch list, though. Oh, okay. So should would you care? Yeah, go ahead. Go it's ahead. good. All right. so what would you think of it? I liked it. Well, I liked all of his stuff from Absentia all the way through Oculus and... Well, I never saw Ocu- well Oculus. I kind of saw, but I was kind of like rolling my eyes during that. But I saw um, his version of the uh, whole vampire mytho with mm-hmm. um, what was that? The whatever it was called that last Netflix thing that they did. Oh, uh, not Bly Manor, but um, the one where they're on the island. Yes, yes, I can't uh, remember the name of it. Right uh, but that's how Midnight I Mass. That's it. Yeah. So I liked Midnight Mass, and so I was kind of like, well, this ought to be interesting. And so I started watching The House of Usher. Uh, sure. And actually, it was quite interesting how they tied in all of the uh, the books, Edgar Allan yeah. Poe stories in there. You had the Black Cat as one mm-hmm. of the episodes, uh, Pit and the Pendulum as one of the right. episodes. You know, the Raven or um, the Telltale Heart one was actually yes. really interesting. Oh, Telltale Heart's always been my favorite Poe story. Wait, do so. you see how they do this? Yes, one version of it. I mean, uh, but it's kind of like interesting little twist. It's like on an all anthology like, to bring them all yeah. together into one someone uh, cohesive story. Yeah, line. to tie it under his own book the fall of the house of usher which yeah you know like yeah so so very yeah. interesting um you know how he, they went about the whole thing mm-hmm. um i i really enjoyed it i would oh, recommend yeah. it if anybody wants to watch the, you know any kind of edgar Allan poe and then how they kind of threw in his little poetry in there too so, oh yeah so but I, he, that's that's one of the little easter eggs that you know <laughs> that that mike flanagan has that's you know that's part of why i like him he has those little like tinges and so he has something coming out in the, in the near future too. So I'm kind of looking forward now to anything that he does because he does have to do some interesting stuff. Yeah, After he's watching a, Black he, Mass. He's actually do, he. They actually just finished wrapping the life of Chuck, where he, uh, which is a Stephen King book. Okay, uh, that's why I was like surprised he didn't do the same as Lot one. But that one's going to be starring uh, Karen Gillian again. Oh she really? Was, yeah, which she was uh, in Oculus with him. Hmm. Well, directed by him. Yeah, so I remember that one. Didn't she die in that with like being speared against a mirror or something? No, because I believe no, I believe she and her brother like lived. Like if I remember correctly, you know, I thought I she less. got like nailed with something that was supposed to break the mirror at some point in time, and blah 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 hmm. blah, blah, blah blah. I don't know. It's been a while since I have seen that one. Well, now you got to rewatch it because I don't. I but anyway. All right. So, oh, is it that time? Almost. Almost. Oh, close enough, <laughs> I guess. So anyway, uh, we mentioned X Files earlier. Um, they are going to have a new X Files novels that'll be available for pre-order now, but are set to drop July thirtieth of twenty twenty-four. The X Files by Penguin Random Houses Hyperion. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight. No matter where you're listening, we genuinely appreciate you being here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. A big thank you to our guest, legendary game designer Scott Rogers. With all guests on the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, Pop Culture Kaboom follows or likes them on Facebook, depending on what options are available. Uh, he does have a fan page, which I do uh, reference. So. As they post news, it is reposted to the Pop Culture Boom news feed on Facebook. Next week on the November 12th Pop Culture Boom radio show, we will be celebrating five years of bringing you all the latest news, information, and releases from the seven pillars of pop culture entertainment. Join Spencer, Rob, and I as we reminisce over the last five years of on KNBC 95.1 FM with you and guests. 
who have been on the show. Lots of people will be tuning in, and we will let you know who they are when they do. Thank you for your support, and please continue supporting Pop Culture Kaboom by listening to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. And if you miss any part of the live show, the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast produced by 97 and Now Productions, and not only get this episode, but also previous episodes and some bonus material that will be coming up as well. Subscribe to the Pop Culture Boom podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also, give a like and a follow to the Pop Culture Boom on Facebook for everything you want, everything you need from Pop Culture Entertainment Daily. And subscribe to the Pop Culture Boom YouTube channel for video interviews from events we have and will be attending. On behalf of our guest Scott Rogers, Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's Horrible Reviews, KNVC, Spencer, Rob, and I, thank you for your support. Have a great week. We will talk to you with you again right here next live next Sunday, 6 to 9, anytime during the week on Facebook and 24-7 on email. Please stay tuned for Episode 9 of Murphy's Inc. titled This Dog Gone Machine. And until next Sunday, be safe, stay healthy, and peace out, Wabbits. <laughs>